Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. And we have a packed show today. Uh, Lots to get to coming out of Friday's announcement that the Winnipeg Jets would, uh, well, we're taking the C away from Blake Wheeler. What that means for this club going into training camp in the upcoming season. And we are very lucky to be joined in a few minutes by Dave Poulin. Uh, who, of course, wore a C in the National Hockey League and had that C taken away from him at one point. So I'm really looking forward to getting Dave's take on what we heard Friday, what this means for the team going forward, for Rick Bonus as the new head coach, and where this leaves Blake Wheeler with this club going into the upcoming season. Uh, Jeff Hamilton's going to join us as well. We've got a number of things to touch on with Hammer. We'll certainly get into the Jets story but he was in Hamilton. We'll find out what the heck happened to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Who were those guys? Um, and who was that guy playing quarterback for the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Dane Evans with a career day, five touchdowns. Kind of a shocking thumping of the previously 12-1 and Winnipeg Blue Bombers. The Bombers head into the bye. We'll get to that as well as um, Jeff's um, feature story in Saturday's Free Press on Kelsey McKay and more charges to the former Churchill and Vincent Massey head coach. And listen, it's so much going on in the National Football League yesterday. And because we were so busy with the Wheeler news on Friday, we didn't have a chance to have Hacksaw on Friday heading into the weekend. Lee will join us today. The uh, best and worst of week two in the National Football League. And of course, we'll get ready for a big Monday night double header tonight between Bills Titans early, and then the game I know a lot of people around here are quite looking forward to. The Minnesota Vikings look to go 2-0, and taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in the second Monday nighter tonight. So a very full slate. Obviously talk a little bit more about the Jets' performances out at the Young Stars Tournament as well. Another game this afternoon going on. We'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, but just before we bring Michael Remus in, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Coolbet, Princess Auto, Not Auto Corp, Culligan Water, Wallace & Wallace, Little Brown Jug, Consolidated Supply, Canadian Club, Vita Health Fresh Market, and of course our friends at Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, F Apparel, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, and Boston Pizza. Great spot to be for Monday night tonight. Have a chance to win a trip out to Vegas over with their friends at Boston Pizza. Let's get Remus in here and get this show on the road. Remo, what's going on? How are you? Feeling good, Hus. What a great weekend. Um, started off with a very busy Friday. Had some news that uh, needed discussing here <laughs> on the show. Uh, wow, that was uh, quite a bomb. And then after a great start uh, to weekend for me, went to the Eagles show at mm. the Arena at Canada Life. How was for- that? Oh, it was, it was the best show. Loved it. Uh, not a cheap ticket, but I think they definitely give you your money's worth on that one. Um, so I love that. But the first time I'd been at a concert in Winnipeg, I think a couple of years for sure, or, or even at the arena. Um, you know, they did some renovations there, took down uh, the wall uh, where the Moxies was, so no more Moxies. And then, yes, we had the Young Stars games all weekend, NFL uh, yesterday. So and now it's training camp week. This is this is awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's full system. Uh, all systems go here on Winnipeg Sports Talking in the peg for Winnipeg Jet training camp. As we mentioned, things are finishing up today in Penticton. 
the rookies will be back here, be on the ice this week. And then, of course, training camp officially gets underway later on this week, heading into Winnipeg Jets Fan Fest on Saturday. We're going to spend quite a bit of time talking Jets today. Uh, we will certainly get to the NFL story later on with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. But Remo, I mean, I think we pretty much have to start with the most shocking news of the weekend. The Bombers lost a game, and they didn't just get, they didn't just lose. They got lit up by Dane Evans and the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Saturday. Uh, I'm still sort of scratching my head wondering what happened on Saturday because that was a performance, especially by the Bomber defense, that we haven't seen in a long, long time. I had a lot of fun dropping the 50-burger memes on the Riders. The Bombers almost had a 50-burger dropped on them by Dane Evans and the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Saturday. That was shocking. Um, was that the Blue Bombers? What happened there? Um, and was that really Dane Evans throwing for five touchdowns? I thought he was an interception machine and wasn't good. And the Ticats made the wrong decision going with him over uh, Masoli in the offseason. Um, you know, a couple things for the Bombers. Turnovers. They gave up too many, two interceptions. There was the fumble touchdown. And they couldn't get any turnovers. They kept giving up points. Bombers were settling for field goals as well. Um, uh, yeah, Ticats, I'm just taking some of this from Jeff's call. We'll talk to them. I mean, Ticats scored on seven of 11 drives, and two of those 11 drives, they or two of the four they didn't score on, were the end of the half or the end of the game where they were just taking kneel downs. You know, and I actually thought, you know, the, they weren't quite out of it in the second half. They were coming back, making a push. But they then, got it to 10 points. Yeah. And you thought it was going to be closer. Okay, they just need to stop here. They couldn't get it. Ticats take the ball 90 yards, chew up seven minutes in the fourth quarter, and that's the game. So, you know, it was pretty, uh, pretty rough game. Offensively, you know, they got a lot of garbage time points. You see that, you know, teams are trailing. They got a throw. And uh, Claris had a, a season high for yardage, but they couldn't, couldn't stop anyone. You wonder if these injuries on the defense are catching up to them. Uh, they got B.A. Brack, Brandon Alexander, but Demario Houston's out. Nick Taylor's played a big role. Kyrie Wilson, Malik Clements. They have guys injured, you know, a lot of starters injured. And heading into the bye, there was some theories after the game. What's up with the Bombers? You know, two of their losses <laughs> uh, heading into the bye. What's going on here? But um, an odd game, and I don't know if you did the not quest what you're going to do, but if you want to say, like, does anyone, like, is your level of concern meter for the Bombers raised at all? Or is this just like, eh, you know what? They're going to lose once in a while. Well, you know what? That's a great way to get right into the why not question of the day for our friends over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. And you can, of course, check them out online at not.ca. I mean, we will go the bomber route. I mean, as shocking as the way the bombers lost was, I think this team's very much deserving of the benefit of the doubt. But we'll put it to fans today for the why not question of the day. Does the way that the Bombers lost in Hamilton on the weekend change it all or give you pause or concern for the rest of the season and the potential of this team to win a third consecutive Grey Cup? Uh, hit us up in the comments, of course, in the chat if you're with us live on YouTube with your thoughts on the Bombers. I mean, for me, Remo, I don't think it really does. I still think that, you know, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the class of the Canadian Football League and... I think they've got an incredible level of confidence and, you know, maturity and experience to move on from a game like this. And in some ways, and many people said this after 
the loss to Montreal with the way that it happened, maybe this is a good thing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in that, um, you know, certainly the rest of this bye week, much like the last bye week, they'll be thinking about getting back to practice and starting a new winning streak. Um, I don't think this is the sign of the bottom falling out by any stretch of the imagination for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but it is a reminder that if you don't come prepared and ready to go and play your best, this is still professional football, and even a team that only had three wins on the season can come in and uh, you know have their way with you if you uh, if you don't play up to the level that you've been doing for a long time. And that's sort of where I'm at on this one. Uh, they get the benefit of the doubt, but I will be very interested to see how they come back and play in their next game against the Riders coming out of this bye week. Yeah, I agree with you there, Hustler. I'm just reading some of the comments. Um, you know, Kyle says, "What this is Zach Caleros's like third uh, legitimate loss here." Yeah. <laughs> um, since he became a star of the bar by legitimate loss, I mean not the ones where they're you know games that they're actually uh, actively trying, uh, trying to win. Um, I think it, it does show you that you know you can dump on the East all you want, but who it was Toronto who beat the Bombers uh, last year, and this year Montreal. Uh, we all remember that game. And um, who was it? Uh, Hamilton on the weekend. And, you know, we kind of dumped all over Hamilton. They've had some issues at quarterback, but Dane Evans certainly brought it. You know, it's funny, in the last loss, we were all dumping on Mark Leggio after that game. But uh, Mark Leggio going three, three for three. Now, the longest was 36, so these aren't, like, huge field goals. But, um, you know, we, if you're going to dump on a guy when he's not playing well, you got to praise him when he's playing well. And I think he's alleviated a lot of concerns that fans had, especially after making that big one in Saskatchewan. And we've kind of forgot. I'm only bringing this up because the Bombers lost and you're like, Oh, well, when was the last time time the the Bombers lost? And that's what you think of. Um, just trying to take some some positives away from the game. Um, you do want to take a positive Dalton shown us, uh, six catches, 158 yards. I mean, what a, what a find. This guy needs one more touchdown for the bomber rookie record. I believe it's the unofficial. I I refer to the the historian, the scooch, Joe Piscucci, who uh, had a piece on that last week. I mean, he listen, he was great, and you know, a lot of the a lot of the yards the bombers were getting was a little later on in the game. But as Tristan Rivers music just said, I get people that would call it garbage yards, but that's why the bombers are so good. They had a game that was a disaster, and yet we're right back in it in the last ten minutes. Uh, before that final Hamilton drive that was needed to, uh, you know, to ice the victory for uh, for the Ticats. And listen, the Bombers just didn't play up to their regular level of uh, defensive aptitude. They weren't able to get off the ball. They weren't able to get off the field, uh, especially in that first half. And um, you know what? Things will go that way. Much better to happen on the road in the regular season than in a game that really matters a little later on come playoff time, still likely having that West final here. But I will say this quickly remote before, and we'll hear from Michael Shea in just one second. It was a very interesting weekend in the Canadian football league. That Saturday night game between BC and Calgary was a thriller. Another Dustin Nielsen thriller. The guy never calls boring games. He had a last second field goal for Edmonton on Friday and then an OT game but what a start and what a performance by BC and Vernon Adams Jr. to get that huge head-to-head win against Calgary and um, put them in maybe the driver's seat to 
have that home field at least for the second and third place game for a potential trip to Winnipeg, assuming the Bombers can finish the job and get that West final here in Winnipeg. Yeah, I loved this Vernon Adams trade for BC when they made it. They clearly had issues at quarterback after the Nathan Rourke injury. And Vernon Adams, he had some big games for Montreal last year. Um, he can run. I rushed, what, three yards on the weekend for three times, sorry, for 32 yards. Didn't throw a touchdown, but also didn't throw an interception. That's been the problem where he's making some bad throws. But when you have receivers like Brian Burnham, 100 yards, Dominic Grimes, 100 yards, Keon Hatcher, and Lucky Whitehead, dynamic player. I mean, and James Butler of the backfield, who had the uh, who had two touchdowns. Um, they had some really strong offensive players, and you don't need to be a game breaker. What a game breaker! If you're Vernon, you just to be more of a game manager. You get you know get the ball in the receivers' hands and let them do the work and limit your mistakes. They did that. Jake Mayer. I mean, he's been very strong for Calgary since uh, given the starting role. He had another 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. For him, this was an awesome game uh, for two teams deciding who's going to play the Bombers in the West final, right? Isn't that what, what that was, the run, the West runner-up? Ball, although, was the Bombers who lost on the weekend. So as much as we want to say, okay, Bombers have punched their ticket to the Grey Cup, basically, these are two two pretty good teams uh, when they're on in BC and Calgary. Oh, uh, listen, I, I don't for a second think that the Bombers are a shoe-in for the Grey Cup. I think they should be the favorite, and I think they put themselves in a great position to clinch that home game and give them every opportunity of doing it. Uh, but even with that loss to BC on the weekend, Calgary makes me nervous. They've played the Bombers so tight in those three games so far this season that have all gone Winnipeg's way. And it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that, you know, another close game might not go the Bombers' way, although they've been so good over the last three years at doing the little things Saturday, notwithstanding, uh, to put them over the top, still certainly like their chances, as do the odds makers. Um, I, I do want to let, let's hear from Mike O'Shea, um, because I'm sure Mike was thinking about the fact that hmm, this is our second loss going into the bye week, um, but was also probably wondering, like, what the heck happened to this team that has been setting the standard for defensive football over the last three years, and uh. It just didn't seem to be on display at all at Tim Hortons Field on the weekend as Dane Evans had a career day against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Here's some post-game comments from Bomber head coach Mike O'Shea after the Saturday loss. Mike, you talked several times this week about Hamilton being a good football team, and they obviously showed that they are tonight. Yeah, everybody on our team knows it. You know, We knew it going in. It's not like it was a surprise. A good football team. What did they do, and uh, what didn't you do that you think contributed to this result? Uh, I mean, 14 points off uh, takeaways. I don't think we started as fast as we as we needed to, right? We didn't really match them in that first half. Um, I like our fourth quarter. Just needed one more stop. You know, I thought they they put together a real long drive in the fourth after we scored twice, um, which is. It's too bad. I thought we just missed a couple tackles on that drive that could have put them in a second and, and long situation and uh, might have changed it. But, you know, we I think, I think the second touchdown we scored, there's still like nine and a half minutes left around there. So now we're back into a 10-point game where it's quite manageable. The clock is not really a factor. We just need stops, right? We just can't let them score more points, and they score points, right? So... All right, so there is Coach O'Shea on uh, the bomber loss, and, you know, he nailed it. I mean, there were a couple plays where, um, you know, there was a play to be made, potentially for a big loss, one missed tackle, and 
you know, you're flipping the field and uh, and moving the chain. So, listen, credit to Hamilton for doing what they did on the weekend. They absolutely needed that victory. Hopefully the Bombers have a great off week and get back and uh, get ready for the Ticats a week from Friday. Um, by the way, quick Bomber note, congratulations to Willie Jefferson and his lovely wife, Holly, on the uh, birth of their second daughter on the weekend. So it wasn't all bad for the Bombers. Great addition to the Blue Bomber family with the newest member of the Jeffersons. Uh, we'll talk a little more about Bombers later on, and we'll also get to the Jets with Jeff Hamilton. Um, Remo, I don't know about you, but I mean, I was out over the course of the weekend, and uh, everybody was talking about Blake Wheeler, the announcement yet on Friday that the Winnipeg Jets would be moving on from him as captain. It certainly was the big topic, and we're going to get to that coming up with Dave Poulin in just a few minutes, as well as Jeff Hamilton. Uh, but the Young Stars Tournament did take place and is continuing in Penticton, um, finishing up today. No wins for the Winnipeg Jets, but um, some interesting performances. And I didn't see much of the second game, but I did see quite a bit of the first game on Friday night. And the guy that stood out to me was Brad Lambert. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the speed that, you know, he brings as part of his package to the organization. It was on display big time on Friday night. He burned a defenseman, went in and scored an early goal. Uh, great to see him get off to a nice start in camp. And it sounds like he's going to be playing with Cole Perfetti today on a line. And originally it was Lambert and Lucius playing together. Hasn't been a great couple games for Chaz Lucius, who I think is sort of fallen down the lineup a little bit from Mark Morrison. Uh, but Brad Lambert's opened some eyes, and certainly I think a strong performance this week will put him in a good spot to go in and have a good camp. Yeah, Lambert spoke last week before they left for Penticton and said that his, you know, as much as we've talked about his confidence loss or speculated on that, he said that it really hasn't. And he knows that if he's able to play in an offensive role, he can put up points. And you saw that speed on Friday. Um, you know, scoring a goal and recording an assist, as you said, burning a guy. And he's been rewarded playing with Cole Perfetti uh, on the second line here today with uh, Greg Morellis, who also scored uh, in Friday's game. Uh, Chaz Lucius, I think he's making his way back from this ankle injury, Hus, and maybe we had a bit too high expectations coming in. He hadn't played in seven months. And he's, you know, what can we take away from, you know, line you know, line rushes in this rookie term, but he has been, he was started on the top line with Lambert and now he's been moved down a bit uh, to the fourth line. So maybe it will take him a bit longer to recover and get his game back. But Brad Lambert's the guy who uh, we've had our eye on him, uh, you know, but since uh, he was drafted here, 30th overall and uh, now making an impact. And you have to wonder, it's going to be Lambert watch all you know, all training camp, where is he going to go? Is he going to go on the moose? Is he going to go back to junior or even, you know, you know, back to Europe or outside, you know, what you're going to put odds, like a 1% chance uh, no Europe. on the jets, <laughs> no, no, Europe. no Europe. So it's 50, 40, 49, uh, AHL 49, WHL 1% NHL 1% <laughs> Europe. Is that what we're putting the odds? I'll say this, if I had to change the, I would have said that it was maybe a little bit more skewed towards the Western Hockey League going into this tournament. Mm -hmm. But, and again, I mean, for what we can take from a couple games, um, I think that they're probably, if he continues to play like this and show that he's capable of going up against the men come, um, come training camp time and in the preseason, 
I think he's probably helping his cause to maybe be a little bit closer to the big club and potentially play with the Manitoba Moose. Um, be interesting to see how Chaz Lucius does going forward because, of course, he signed his contract. I would imagine that he'll be on the Moose right now, but um, I think a lot can be determined in the eyes of the organization with how these young men play both in this tournament as well, more importantly, when they're with the rest of the Winnipeg Jets in the main camp a little later on this week. We'll get to all of that. Jeff Hamilton coming up later on. Really looking forward to dissecting Friday's announcements with Hammer, um, as well as a number of other topics. We will at the end of the program, before we get to our picks and the cool bet lines for Monday Night Football, get over a recap, a big weekend with some wild finishes in the National Football League. We're going to focus in on the Jets for the better part of this next hour plus with Dave Poulin from TSN Hockey in just a minute, as well as Jeff Hamilton. Well, listen, before we get to Dave Poulin, big shout out to our friends at our newest sponsors, the gang over at Consolidated Supply at 1395 Niagara Road East. Consolidated Supply for years has been the irrigation and artificial turf specialist here in Manitoba, working with folks and their homes and their properties as well as golf courses around the province uh, whether you need artificial turf uh, to build a dream putting green or something that'll stand your pet's waste or whether you're looking for irrigation systems to get your lawn green and lush with irrigation like you'd use at the golf courses they can help you with diy do-it-yourself irrigation solutions and speaking of golf uh, whether it's for golf whether it's for ripping around uh, at the uh, the lake or where you've got your uh, cottage in the in the off season or maybe a tricked out golf cart for the use around the warehouse ranch or farm consolidated supply is also manitoba's dealer for all things club car and they also do rentals as well and by the way you might not know this but in addition if you're planning the beautiful backyard of your dreams hot tubs in stock right now get you a great deal on those outdoor barbecues and outdoor kitchens as well find out more online cte.ca or give spicy joe and the guys a call great wst listeners as well as sponsors 470-3832-1395 niagara road east for our friends over at consolidated supply um, Vita Health Fresh Market continues to be our go-to spot, stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices. And if you're into organic produce, local grass-fed meats, and more, or a great grab-and-go deli with delicious, healthy, and fresh Vita Market salads and sandwiches, Vita Health is the store for you. They've been empowering Manitobans for over 85 years to lead healthy lives. Now with seven Winnipeg locations, pop down and see them at any of them, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and check them out online at their new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. Um, it's always busy over at Wallace & Wallace. They have been the fencing experts in Manitoba for years, and you've seen the trucks and fences all around the city what you might not also know is that they're one of the garage door leaders in Manitoba, working with Clopay, the largest garage door manufacturer in the world. 
and despite supply chain issues we've all been experiencing, you can get a beautiful new garage door ordered, delivered, and installed in less than four weeks just before the snow starts flying. And hey, not only is there 161 different styles of garage doors to choose from, but a new garage door can add up to 4% to the value of your home. Find out more on what's available at wallacedoors.com. You can give them a call or pop down in person and see them at their showroom over on Lawson Road. And a big cheers to Pitt and the gang out at Aikens Lake. I know they've got just another week or two of the fishing season. What a season it's been. One of their their busiest year ever coming out of the pandemic. Uh, I know people are already planning for amazing fly-in fishing trips to Aikens Lake next year. Find out more on how you can enjoy the amazing fishing, but even the better people and hospitality at Aikens Lake online, AikensLake.com, or check them out on any of the social media channels at Aikens Lake. All right, Jeff Hamilton's going to come on a little bit later on. He was in Hamilton. We'll talk a little bombers with him, but we'll probably spend a little more time talking about the Jets' decision to remove the captaincy from Blake Wheeler on Friday. Uh, but no better person to talk about that with than our good friend Dave Poulin, who uh, has been through this before himself. Let's welcome Dave in right now and uh, see uh, what he has for us on the Jets news coming out of Friday heading into the weekend. Dave, how you been keeping? Uh, you hit him straight this summer? Keep it on the fairway? You know what? It was a pretty good summer for golf, Andrew. It went to the... Uh... The semifinals in the four ball at the club, but what, what has tended to happen to me my entire hockey career, I start to play really well just when it's time to go back to work. <laughs> it's like the golf gods know, and all of a sudden I'm hitting it better, and the putts are going in, and I'm chipping like a maniac who, you know, I didn't have the hands of some of the, some of the skilled players. And, and then they say, well, well, now you got to put the clubs away. It's time to go back to work. So, but it's always a fun time of year in the fall. And as we get ramped back up for hockey, I kind of don't mind putting the clubs away when it comes to what we have in front of us. Well, you're exactly right. And uh, needless to say, training camp uh, is going to get going this week. But we got our first real jolt of um, how things are going to be done under new head coach Rick Bonus on Friday, announcing that Blake Wheeler is no co- longer the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. They'll go with the leadership group. And you know, as Rick Bonus kind of mentioned, uh, the new leader, the new captain of the Jets will emerge organically. Um, Dave, you've been around the game for a long time. What was your reaction to what we heard on Friday? And uh, what did you think of the decision made before training camp even started? Surprised, first of all, Andrew, very surprised. Um, and I, I may have been less surprised had it not been a new coach doing it. And, you know, if it had been, a coach who'd been there and decided it was time for a change. And, and I, I have been a part of this firsthand and I was a captain in Philadelphia for five and a half seasons. And, and Bob Clark was the general manager who had named me captain. And he was also the general manager who took the captaincy away from me. And it was in December, might've been early January of, of 90. And it, it was, pretty simple. Paul Holmgren was the head coach and, and he was the one that told me, but you know that Clarky was behind it from the general manager standpoint, but Holmgren delivered the message and he simply said, we think leadership has changed. Now I had been out with an injury most of December. Um, I certainly didn't think leadership had changed. They felt it had. And so it was incredibly disappointing for me. I took so much pride in it as I'm sure Blake has and, and did, 
Um, but it was also a prelude to a trade for me. And, you know, maybe they just at that point, Clarky just didn't want to trade his captain. There were no rumors or anything at all. And I think it was about three weeks later that I was on my way to Boston. And so in, in this situation, the unknowns are ahead. Rick Bonus comes in as a, a very veteran head coach, but he hasn't been in the locker room. So he's done his homework. He's talked to players and, you know, and, and I'm thinking about some of the new coaches that took over for teams that I played for and some of the questions I was asked. And I remember when Mike Keenan took over, he was a rookie coach. I was going into my second year in the league and that's the year I would become captain. And the very first question he asked me, he, he, and I swear to God, he didn't even introduce himself. I was meeting him at the pancake house in Philadelphia and I walked in and he looked at me and simply said, do we have a goaltender that can win the Stanley cup? <laughs> and so every new coach is focused on something. And that was his focus that day. And he talked more about the goaltending. Now I also wasn't the first person he had talked with or interviewed. So obviously that question had come up in other interviews with veteran players um, what our goaltending situation was, and that's how important we felt it was. But with all the talk last year about the Jets locker room, about, you know, if there was a division in it or what was going on or the harmony wasn't there and all factors that go. And, and trust me, a lot of this is coupled with disappointing seasons. I mean, it just is. And with everything that's gone on last year with the Jets in terms of, you know, fairly public viewing of, of what was going on in the locker room and that the harmony wasn't there. And Hey, that all goes with disappointing seasons and the expectations were high going into the year last year with the changes that were made and, and the disappointment was there on the ice. And so I, I think that's inevitable that changes made. I still am surprised that it happened this quickly. Of course, if I'm in Rick bonus's shoes, I do want it to happen before the season starts before camp starts. Um, Dave, for Rick Bonus to make that decision, um, I mean, it's been well documented. He's reached out to a number of his players, um, and I imagine most of the individuals on the roster. Um, would it be from that player feedback, or how involved? You mentioned Clarkey with what happened with you in Philadelphia. I would have to think that Kevin Sheveldayoff would be uh, in lockstep with this decision. No. Yes, he would be, um, but he wouldn't be making the decision. That would be left to Rick Bonus and. That would be the distinction. And, and I think I, I think with a, a veteran general manager like Kevin Sheveldayoff that he would say, you know, here are some of the issues. You've got to handle them how you handle them. Rick would go about doing his due diligence and he would put information together. And, you know, I, I thought a lot about this over the weekend and knowing we'd have a conversation about it. And, you know, when, when Paul Murray stepped down, he said he thought he had – gotten what he could from the Jets team. And that's why it was a need for a change. And, and maybe the, the exact same thing is here. And, and you know, Blake, run, uh, Blake Wilson had a very good, uh, Blake Wilson, Blake Wheeler had a very good run captain of the Winnipeg Jets. And he plays hard every night. He brings what he has. He's had, you know, he's had a really good run. And sometimes it is time for a change. And sometimes the person who knows at least is the person that has to be changed. And while I didn't feel like, you know, it was right in my situation, obviously management did. And, and that's the way it works. 
Now, Dave, uh, you know, Wheeler was, you know, mentioned in trade rumors quite a bit throughout the summer. And it was reported that, you know, I think he had come to the point where he thought it might be a good idea as well. Now, at his age and with that contract, it obviously proved to be difficult and uh, eventually impossible at the end to uh, to make the move. So where does this leave Blake Wheeler going into this season, assuming that he's a member of the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I, I think he goes in with, in his own mind, to prove to people that he's still got a lot of hockey left in him. And I think he does have a lot of hockey left in him. And maybe the burden of not going in with the sea on every day will be in his best interest. And, and I know the only way to do that job effectively is to take it personally. And people say, well, you can't take it personally. You're darn right you take it personally. You take wins and losses personally. You take the way you play personally. You take the way others play personally because it's a pride thing. And maybe having that burden removed from his jersey will prove to be, you know, a little a catalyst for Blake Wheeler. And so I'd look at it as if I'm the player and that's the hand I'm dealt, I'm coming into camp and I'm saying, gentlemen, I'm not done yet. And by the way, I'm going to continue to be the same person in the locker room and I'm going to lead and support whatever leadership group is there. Um, Dave, how do you think that this, this decision that was announced on Friday by Rick bonus, how do you think it resonates with the other guys in the Winnipeg Jets locker room? What is the message that it sends and and what does it do for the uh, tone around a team with a new head coach going into training camp? I think it makes it clear there's a new sheriff in town, Andrew, I do. And, you know, and this is a veteran coach in Rick Bonus. Um, he's coached a long time. He's been in different roles. He's been a head coach. He's been an assistant coach. He's been an associate head coach. And so he's sat in the different seats. He's watched leaders of various ilks along the way. And I, I think the importance of putting his stamp on it is significant. And if that is the biggest issue, um, with this Jets team is that, you know, it wasn't as smooth functioning off the ice as it should have been and could have been. And once again, I always believe the on-ice leads the off-ice. The off-ice doesn't lead the way. But it has to be smooth and it has to be good for the on-ice to be effective. And and so, you know, I, I think everyone's eyebrows go up and say, you know, wow, nothing is secure. Now, you know, it's common for a general manager, Andrew, to go in and stand up in front of a, a team and say, you know, every job is open going into training camp. I remember Harry Sinden doing that in Boston and, you know, in a packed room, you know, back then you had 80, 85 kids at camp. I remember looking over at Ray Bork and saying, yeah, I think you're okay. Um, I, I know there's a lot of jobs available, but I think you'll be fine. And, and when that is said, it's not just jobs, it's roles within the team. And, you know, will uh, Cole Perfetti step up and absorb, you know, top six minutes? Um, you know, will David Gustafson prove to be a factor? I think in particular on D, I think, you know, in order to take the next step, a couple of guys have to impose themselves. And we've talked a lot about Dylan Sandberg and, and Billy Hainola. And I think they really have to impose themselves. And you can look and say, well, the Jets D looks pretty set. And I would say someone has to push them. Yeah, well, I mean, the defense is something we've been talking about all season long, Dave. And I think when you still look at the Jets' depth chart, uh, most would agree that they could certainly use another player, maybe two, up front in the forward group. And it's so packed on the blue line, um, you know, with those five veteran defensemen, plus Logan Stanley, plus Dylan Sandberg, and Vili Hainala, and Johnny Kovacevic, who's no longer um, waiver is exempt. 
How do you think this shakes out? I mean, do they roll with these three guys and make some tough decisions on who doesn't play and potentially sending Billy Hanel and Dylan Sandberg back to the American League again? Or do you think there's still another shoe to drop before we get to the opening day of the season from Kevin Sheveldayoff? It's up to the player to force that. You know, I've seen camps where players had a great camp and, you know, and moves were made or decisions were made. And the best thing a manager can say is I had no choice. I mean, the player showed me that, you know, after all this discussion, all this talk, because if you think back over a couple of years, we've been talking about these guys for a couple of years now, Andrew. And, you know, when trade talks would come up and say, well, they're not willing to move, you know, a couple of these guys. Well, if they're not willing to move them, then they have to prove on why that is the case. And so it's up to the players and it should be a highly spirited camp and not just in the exhibition games. You know, you want to walk into that first workout and look at a defenseman and say, oh, wow, you know, here's who I noticed out there today. Because in an NHL camp, it's, it's very easy for a veteran to go unnoticed. They know how to do their jobs. They know what's expected of them. But these guys aren't veterans, and they have to go in and make a difference. And, and that's up to the player to do. Well, and, and you know, just to, I mean, to, to bring it back to camp overall, um, most of the players within the Winnipeg Jets have never known anything other than Paul Maurice here in Winnipeg as the head coach. Um, I'm wondering how different the camp itself will be, but also how different it'll be for the players to be doing it for the first time with a new sheriff in town, as you mentioned, and a guy that they haven't played be- played for before with plenty of opportunities we've seen coming out of a decision like uh, like we heard on Friday. You know, there's a reason that the inevitable new coach bump happens when the change is made during the season because every player in that room feels like there's new eyes on him and and there's a little nervousness. There's nervousness driving to the rink. There's a little, you know, like he doesn't know them. He knows what it is to coach against them. And and that is significant. He knows what, what it is to coach against them in the same division. And those were highly spirited games between Dallas and Winnipeg over the last couple of years. But now what you want Rick Bonus to do is, and, and I'm just going to pick a player. You want, you want, you're Adam Lowry, and you want Rick Bonus to come in and say, Holy smokes. You know, Larry's got something sitting in the seat I'm sitting in now that I didn't necessarily see. And, and here's what I'm thinking, you know, or it may be a Harkins or it may be, it may even be, you know, a Nikolai Ehlers who, when you coach against somebody, you think about them a certain way. And now you're sitting in a seat where you control their minutes and control their role and control their ice time. And, and I think if I'm a player, I'm full go right now. I'm absolutely full go. I'm not expecting anything, you know, to be taken for granted or to be given to me. I'm going out and I'm saying I'm going to command what I do here. It's funny you mentioned Adam Lowry because Dave, excuse me, he's been a guy that, you know, we've talked about as being a real leader and and maybe as the room, depending on how much you want to buy into the fact that there may have been somewhat a divide, he had sort of been the bridge between some of the veteran players and some of the younger players. It had had been seen uh, around here. Um, I wonder about Lowry, <clears throat> Morrissey and Shifley, of course, and players like Ehlers and even Kyle Connor, who's always been quiet, but certainly was less so last year when things were going down. Um, the opportunity for these men to step up as part of this leadership group. And from Rick Bonus's pro- uh, 
you know, he said that this will happen organically. You've been in rooms before. How long does it take to figure out whether it's a good idea for one guy to wear a C, whether you move forward with a bunch of A's this year? And um, how does it happen from a head coach's perspective when he decides, all right, this is the guy that's the new captain of my team? Well, sometimes it's, it's event driven and it takes, you know, some sort of circumstance to happen where somebody does stand up. And sometimes, you know, it, it takes a little more time. I think each situation is individual. Andrew, I really do. I, I don't think you can go in with a script and say, you know, here's what happens. And there have been good teams that have gone, you know, through a run without having, you know, a captain in the room and, you know, and I was given to see my second year in the league. And believe me, it took me, I mean, the first thought is, oh, you know, what do they want from me now? What am I supposed to do? And which situation am I supposed to stand up in? And which situation do I stand back and let it occur? And, you know, and, and I think that there are natural leaders in that locker room. There's no question about it. And, and, and they will come to the front. And I don't think it's going to be, you know, I, you know, I'm not looking at it as, okay, this is going to be like a, uh, an election. Like, you know, we're going to be running to be elected. That's not what it is. It's when situations occur. And some of it is just flat out through their play. Some of it is just done on the ice, and then that carries over in the locker room. Um, you know, and, and we, we both mentioned Lowry now. And, you know, the first time I saw him play, oh, I'm going to, oh, geez, I'm going to, it might have been my first year back with the Leafs. And it was probably in 2009 with Swift Current. I remember looking at this young gangly kid and saying, and saying to Dave Morrison, who I was with as my head's go, like, what is this? You know, this, now this is intriguing. And he was just a young kid. And, and yet he emerged for me as someone back in the pro business that was new again. And, but the very first time I saw him, he was probably 16 years old. And, you know, and it came out to me in that game. So I think that opportunity is there for players growth. It's for growth in the roles, but you can't force the leadership thing. It, it, that's not the way it works. Situations occur, people step up, it's recognized. Dave, before we go, I just wanted to pick your brain from, um, you know, the management side of things and someone that's been involved, you know, with the, you know, with representing players as well as to the market this summer for free agents. We saw Evan Rodriguez sign a one-year, $2 million deal. And today, Sonny Milano is on a PTO with the Calgary Flames. Um, were you surprised, as some of us were, that you know these guys didn't get better offers and that a player like Milano is going on a PTO? I am, but I think it's it's absolutely market-driven. I mean, there's just, there's just no money. And there's a certain level of player that is just below the barrier that you're going to create money for. And so, you know, Milano could very well help out. And I think that's a great get on a PTO for Calgary. But you're not going to trade one of your proven players to create the money to sign a player like that. You're just not. And you feel in-house you've got better. And Evan Rodriguez may be a little bit more of a surprise, but don't forget, he was waived a couple of times, you know, over the last year and a half. And, and you know, and wasn't signed in Toronto. He was brought... To, you know, into the Leafs late that one year and wasn't signed. So, you know, someone feels that he can play a role for them. And, but there's going to be ebbs and flows to this. There, there will be more money coming into the market, Andrew. We'll all be happy about that over the next two years. And, and you'll be able to see a little more flexibility and movement. But it, it really doesn't because I, I spend a lot of time. 
Like most mornings, I spend at least an hour, an hour and a half on the cap. I just do. I think it's that important to know who's becoming available. Um, you know, I've got my highlighters and my little color-coded system in my book, and, <laughs> and I want to know what contract situations are out there and who can benefit from them. You know, and even back to, to the captain and Blake Wheeler, um, when you talked about the potential movement in the contract, I haven't seen a contract that can't be moved. I just haven't because someone is going to be willing to be the middleman on it. A contract can move twice, as you know, 50% and then again, 50%. So the final absorbing team can only have to pay 25% of that number. And if you put Blake Wheeler on the market and have moved him twice to get him where he's going at 25%, boy, oh boy, that would be a really effective pickup for somebody. Well, it, it would, I think, right now. I mean, and part of the reason why this hasn't happened is that, I mean, Blake Wheeler's still an important player of the Winnipeg Jets, and as long as he's here, whether he's got a C or not, um, he'll probably have a pretty significant role in that top six and certainly on the power play. And it'll be very interesting to see how he handles this, uh, what this does for the team going forward. And say this, Dave, certainly uh, the Winnipeg Jets are going to give you guys plenty of storylines to kick around on TSN That's Hockey. We look forward to that, Andrew. It's a great time of year for storylines. And I think this is an intriguing team this year. Um, and, you know, I've, I've already starting to have my conversations internally with different people and, and, you know, trusted guys that I go to and see what their volume is. And, and Winnipeg's interesting. And because I think, you know, the goalie guys fully expect a big bounce back from Connor Halibut. We talked about the defensive situation. But up front, there's some intrigue there in, in, you know, what might emerge. And I think we've seen enough of Cole Perfetti to, to be really intrigued with what that can do. And, and say just, just for intents and purposes, you say, okay, you're going to open up with, with Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Cole Perfetti. Well, all of a sudden now you're going to say to Mark Scheifele and Blake Willie, you're going to play against the second pair of D every night? They would look and say, okay, now there's how we turn what we perceive as a negative into a positive because we're going to get a great matchup every single night. And, oh, by the way, we might have Nikolai Ehlers on our left side. So all of a sudden now, you know, it's the way you perceive it and how you manage it, and it's up to the players. These are proven professionals I'm talking about here, really proven professionals in, in Shifley and Wheeler and, and Ehlers, and, and they're going to make the best of whatever situation they're dealt Dave, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much. Enjoy the last couple of days before things get crazy with camps opening around the league. Good to be back, Andrew. Have a great start to your year, too. Uh, great stuff with Pooley. Really appreciate him coming on. Very interesting to hear uh, his own experience with going from the captain to the former captain in Philadelphia with the Flyers during his playing career. Uh, don't forget, folks, why not question of the day? Uh, how do you put together what happened to the Bombers on Saturday? Concerned at all or uh, just a blip in the road? Hit us up in the comments. Uh, but a big thanks to our friends at Not Auto Corp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one. Shout out to Sean and Andre, great new members of the team over at Not Auto Corp. And folks, if you're thinking about getting into a new vehicle or upgrading your current one, start your search at Not before you go anywhere. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Check out all the amazing vehicles on the lot, including a number of Teslas. Find out more about their Tesla Experience program if you've been considering moving to electric. And if there's a particular make and model that you've got your heart set on, the experts at Knot will source it, 
Get it here to Winnipeg and get you into it at the best possible price. Not Autocorp, proud sponsors of WST. Pop down and see him, Waverly McGilvery, and online at not.ca. Well, Royal Sports is ready for hockey season uh, for over 35 years. Family-owned Royal Sports has been the hockey superstore in the city of Winnipeg. And uh, so much more than just, uh, you know, a great skate sharpening service, million-dollar stick inventory, goalie equipment, skates. They've got it all. Uh, and, of course, for the fans of hockey, an incredible NHL selection of merchandise, thousands of pieces of Jets gear as well, not to mention Bombers, NFL, Blue Jays, international soccer. They really do have it all at Royal Sports. Pop down and see them, 750 Pembina Highway, and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for their latest merchandise drops and sale information. Well, we're getting into the fall, folks. Things are sort of feeling like they're pretty much back to normal and uh, hopefully that's going to involve some great events, some, uh, you know, dinners, family gatherings, things that maybe haven't happened this last little while. And, of course, weddings as well. And, guys, everyone needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And you might not have been putting one on for the last few years. Pop down and see Andrew and his great staff at F Apparel, Winnipeg's leading spot for custom men's clothing. Custom suits beginning at just $400. Remus and I both went down there, got a chance to pick out colors, fabric, styles, and more. Uh, it was an absolute breeze with the great staff at F Apparel. And a few weeks later, got great-looking suits to get us through the upcoming winter. And, fellas, if you're planning a wedding, talk to the gang at F about a 15% discount for everybody in your wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. Find out more or make an appointment to pop in and see them at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And hey, a big cheers to our friends out of Breezy Bend. What a great season they've had on the course. Very successful hosting of the Canadian Mid-Am Seniors Women's Championship a couple weeks ago. And now Craig and his staff are hard at work with the new green complex for the 7th and 15th holes. If you are thinking about a long-term home at one of Winnipeg's top private courses for you and your family, talk to our friend Corey Johnson about getting on that waiting list for next year. And you can also find out more on everything Breezy has to offer over at breezybend.ca. All right, Jeff Hamilton's joining us in a few minutes. Did get a chance to take a quick look over at what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets in the uh, Prospects game in Penticton. And Remo, I was talking about Brad Lambert and how he impressed on uh, uh, when the, the game that I saw on Friday. Um, he's looking good right now, playing with Cole Perfetti. And uh, he did everything on that shift, pickpocketing a Calgary defender uh, to create an odd man rush and ended up finishing it off into an empty net. So Brad Lambert gets the Jets on the board to tie the game up at one. And uh, a real nice opening performance after a tough world junior for uh, for Lambert. Yeah, should we show the highlight of the goal? Do you have it? Yeah, I got it. I got it right here. Perfect. Well, listen, there, here we are. Up to the minute highlights from the prospects tournament at Penticton. If you're with us on YouTube or you're watching it later, wonder what we're talking about. Uh, this is the way it looked from Penticton when uh, Brad Lambert got on the uh, board for the Jets. The three-on-one from inside the circles, and Chechlev makes the save. Now the rebound. Lambert scores. Beauty goal. Uh, what you didn't see beforehand, which was, was set that entire up. I mean, Calgary was essentially breaking out. 
and uh, Brad Lambert did a little pickpocket work and then the teamed up with Perfetti and I believe Morellis on that goal to get the Jets on the board. Listen, we're going to hear, uh, we're going to talk a bunch of Jets topics and more with Jeff Hamilton coming up in just a second. But before we bring Hammer on, just wanted to, to get a couple of these clips from Mark Shifley in because Shifley uh, was on 32 Thoughts, I believe, interviewed with the guys from the uh, players event out in Vegas over the last few days. And um, here's a here's a clip from Mark Shifley on his reaction to the news uh, that Blake Wheeler moving forward would no longer be the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, uh, Yeah, definitely caught me by surprise. I know, you know, Blake talked to me right before leaving for leaving for Vegas and kind of just I was pretty much like walking out the door and he kind of gave me the, the thought. And then actually Rick Bonus called me this morning just to tell me, you know, before, you know, hearing it from, you know, in the media or whatever. So definitely, yeah, I was, I was definitely shocked. Um, you know, I didn't see it coming. You know, I think right now it's just, you know, obviously, you know, Blake's a really good friend of mine and just want to be in for, there for him and for the team. And, you know, when I get back to Winnipeg, obviously I'm, we have a bit of a team weekend this mm-hmm. weekend, which would be good to, you know, get together as a team. So, you know, I just want to talk to the guys and, and, you know, just kind of get their thoughts and see how they're feeling. And, yeah. you know, we all got to work through this together and we're all, we're all here for Blake and we're all here for the team. So, you know, obviously that's a team decision and we'll go from there. All right. So there's Mark Shifley talking with uh, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman. And, uh, and let's get clip number two here because this will be something we can talk about with Jeff as well. Um, Mark was asked if he wants to be the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Here's how that sounded. I definitely look at, I look at myself as a leader. You know, I think we have we have a lot of leaders on our team. I think you know me and me and Josh. You know, obviously the A's on the team. You know, obviously yeah, we're we're, we're younger. We have a you know a little bit different of a voice. So I think you know this gives us the opportunity for other guys to step in and you know. But I think it's not just going to be one or two guys. I think it has to be a collective. It has to be it has to be you know multiples of us. You know, we have the Nikolai Ehlers, the Kyle Connors, you know Connor Hellebuck, you know Adam Lowry. We have we have so many guys on this team that. Um, you know, have big voices. And I think this just, you know, we all have to do it together. It's not, it's not a matter of one guy. It's a matter of everyone doing it together and everyone being on the same page. And I think, you know, that's how this team's going to have to be led. All right. So there's Mark Shifley with Merrick and Friedman. Now here's one more clip from his conversation with the guys. And, um, you know, we all heard his response when he was asked about this from Sarah Orleski a few weeks ago, saying that it sort of caught him by surprise. He felt like, it, I believe the quote was, it was a media disaster. Um, Elliot and Jeff asked him um, just to, to speak on his end of your comments uh, that have been such a big story in Winnipeg and many people discussing it around the league over the course of this offseason. You know, I was obviously very frustrated with the year and the way things, you know, panned out during the year. You know, so I was, you know, I was very honest at the end of the year. Maybe, maybe a little too honest with, you know, in terms of being, you know, talking to the media. You know, usually I'm a little more closed off. So maybe, you know, what, we, we, no, don't do that because, no, you know, just... you can't, like, uh, that's one thing I think about. We can't get upset at people for talking in cliches and then get upset when they talk honestly. So I will always take B as opposed to the cliche. So don't yeah. change that. Okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so that, 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 that was, I was, I was, I, I was very honest and I was, you know, I was frustrated with the year. So, you know, obviously when, you know, anger and emotion gets you, then it's, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, gets you fired up. But yeah, I had a, you know, I think I was, you know, with, uh, with Chevy and Zinger and Larry for like two hours for my exit meeting and, you know, gave my thoughts. I'm not going to go into it. You know, I, you know, I respect the confidentiality of that with, with Chevy and, you know, but we talked for two hours. It was a lot, a lot of, you know, diving into deep things and me giving, mm-hmm. me, me giving my thoughts and, and, and him giving his, his thoughts as well. So, 
you know, it was a long, long conversation. And I know, you know, a lot of people thought I, I know I even had buddies are like, are you getting traded? Like what, like what's going on here too? So I like, I, yeah, I, I never asked for a trade. You know, I just wanted to, you know, get to the nitty gritty. I want to, I want to mm-hmm. win. I, you know, I feel like I'm in the prime of my career and I want to, you know, I want to be a part of a winning team. And, you know, I feel like we have a lot of great pieces in Winnipeg and I wanted to, no, I wanted to get the, I wanted to get an understanding from the organization of, you know, where do they saw this team and where in, you know, where they, where they saw me mm-hmm. and, you know, how I saw myself. And, you know, I know I got criticized, you know, for my comments for being selfish or whatever, but I think they, that just kind of got over, overblown. I was just, I was just showing how much I care about the game of hockey, how much I care about the, the Winnipeg Jets organization, how much I care about wanting to, to bring a winning team to Winnipeg. And I think, you know, wires got crossed and you know i just you know i want obviously everyone to know how much i care about the game and how much i i love this game and respect this game and and how much i respect the the winnipeg jets organization to to want to bring a winning team to to winnipeg all right so there's a little bit more from mark shifley from uh the weekend 32 thoughts with jeff merrick and elliot friedman well uh welcome in jeff hamilton to touch on that but a couple things i want to get to uh with hammer and uh it's a long list of things to hit Jeff with right now. Uh, Hammer, what's up? How's the uh, how's the weekend out in the Hammer? You make it back safe and sound? Living proof of it, Huss, right here, man. Feeling okay. I mean, Hamilton was Hamilton. It was uh, obviously not the result the Bombers were looking for, but as far as a, a personal trip or a getaway, it was uh, not so bad. I've, I still uh, stay at the same hotel that we stayed at in uh, for Grey Cup, so there was reminiscence of memories of that. But, uh, yeah, overall, a great weekend. Uh, listen, I, I don't want to bury this or ask about it later on because I know we'll get into talking jets and bombers and, you know, we could get away. Um, before we do anything, I just want to commend you on the piece you had in the free press on the weekend. Uh, if you have not read this already, folks, uh, it's entitled the Kelsey McKay playbook. Um, now we know what you've been working on so hard when you haven't been talking about the day-to-day grind of the bombers or obviously the off-season stories of the jets. And this, to me, Jeff, is an absolutely must-read for parents that have kids involved in minor sports. Certainly, um, it, you know, administrators, coaches themselves, people within schools, um, because it is chilling. I mean, so many of the things that you talk about in that piece, in interview, are very similar to things that we read in your piece on Graham James a few years back, um, detailing everything that happened on the hockey side of another horrible abuse story. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I of course, appreciate any opportunity to chat about it. Uh, you're right. I spend a lot of my, uh, I was about to say free time. It's not free time. I, I spend a lot of, you know, my passion lies in investigative work. So as much as I love talking about bombers or, you know, opining about the Winnipeg Jets this is certainly my true passion I mean this is this doesn't you know this piece doesn't come out um, without the courage and uh, trust from the dozens of people I spoke to who were willing to help I mean this is what these pieces do you know this isn't a this isn't a hit piece this isn't a, a isn't a column it's not an opinion piece this is trying to come up with an understanding to provide some answers for what is it, you know, it's, the way I sum it up is it's trying to explain the, the, you know, inexplainable in the sense that it's hard, you know, when it comes to the grooming process now, we should, you know, it's important to note here that Kelsey McKay is currently, you know, his case is currently, you know, within the courts right now. And, you know, all these, uh, you know, their allegations at to this point, but um certainly to get a better understanding of, of how something like this can happen because, you know, whether it's the Graham James series, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, any kind of sexual abuse, 
in the sport. I mean, the first question is, well, how the hell did this happen? You know, how, how did nobody see it? How did, uh, you know, what, 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 you know, what environment needed to exist for, for something like this to, to happen. So th- those are, those are essentially the questions I had in my head. I have in my head every time something like this comes, you know, uh, you know, makes its way to the public or comes across my desk. And that's the, and that's the, you know, those are the answers I, I searched to find. So, um, you know, again, a lot of respect and, and, uh, you know, just, you know, a lot of respect for the people who, who spoke to me, who shared their stories, who shared their, you know, examples, because at the end of the day, you know, this is, this is, uh, this is something that, again, is, is very tough to understand. It's, it's tough to explain, but it's, it's crucial, uh, for the public to, to get a better understanding of things like the grooming process of, of how, you know, how, you know, coaches, uh, really any place of power. It's not just a, a hockey thing. It's not just a football thing. It's a position of power thing and, and, and what to look for. Because a lot of people, you know, people ask me, well, what are, what are the red flags? What are the red flags? And it's it's not as simple as that. I mean, there certainly are red flags, but it's it's just getting a better understanding of, of uh, you know, how, how the grooming process works, how, how influential some people have and the power they have. And then the powers that be don't hold those you know, individuals to account on certain situations. So uh, certainly an important piece. And, you know, I encourage everybody to anybody to read it. No, second that very well done. And uh, it is important for anybody involved in sports to uh, to read it and uh, and let it sink in and hopefully help us uh, avoid anything like this happening again. Uh, before we get to the Jets, what the hell happened on Saturday? <laughs> I mean, I'm still sort of wrapping my head around that game. I mean, the Bombers have played some close games before, some tight ones. They've kind of come through with wins. They could have maybe lost the game to Toronto. We know it came down to the deadline. But the the the, the, the end against Montreal, we know how that one ended. But this was a loss unlike anything we've seen in three years. I mean, I was saying earlier, we joked and a lot of fun about the 50-burger memes on the Riders. Bombers just about had the, uh, had the, the favor returned to them on the weekend. This was a career game from Dane Evans, but... Um, Kind of an ugly afternoon for the Bomber defense that has set the bar so bloody high over the last few years, Jeff. Yeah, you know, as I wrote in my game piece, it was, uh, you know, the Bombers got a taste of their own medicine. You know, you can look just a week before, as you mentioned, Huss, against Saskatchewan. It was kind of what the what the Bombers did to the Riders and really what the Bombers have done to the league, um, you know, this year, certainly last season and by the end of 2019. So to see... You know, a team like the Hamilton Tire Cats, who entered the the game three and nine, you know, clinging to their playoff hopes, for them to deliver, you know, the kind of performance they did against uh, against the Bombers was impressive. Now, you know what? I, I just I know it's easy to look at these kind of games and and say, you know, the sky is falling or what what you know what the heck happened or whatever. And there are certain elements of the game that are different than. The last time the Bombers lost, I'll remind everybody, it was just their second loss. They're, you know, they're 12 and two now. Um, after that loss, that kind, of, that that one kind of made a bit of sense, even though they could have won that game, right? I mean, they should have won that game. You can make the argument, but they were playing 10 straight weeks. They were tired. The schedule was, you know, a little odd. This one's a little bit different, right? I mean, certainly had an opportunity. I think that if the defense, who who certainly had a rough night. Uh, if, if they are able to stop that drive at the end or in the fourth quarter after the Bombers put together back-to-back touchdown drives to make it a 10-point game, well, maybe we're not talking about a Bombers loss right now. But that being said, they haven't been beat up like that uh, this year against the team. And to see Dane Evans you know, miss last week with a shoulder injury, for him to come back and throw five touchdowns against this team, I mean, well, I forget the exact score. It was 34-something, but... 
uh, by halftime, but that was that already eclipsed the point, the most points the Bombers had allowed this season against, you know, in, in this case, I think it was week 10 or 12 against Calgary. Uh, they allowed 29. So certainly an impressive performance for the Tiger Cats, but I'm not looking at this one and thinking that, you know, the Bombers are in trouble or that this is, you know, there's any kind of lingering issue you know I do think you can look at the injuries and 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 suggest that you know maybe it's caught up to them the secondary certainly got eaten alive that game they weren't getting a front push Jackson Jeffcoat was out of the game you know midway through uh these aren't excuses these are facts it's just uh you know I just don't know if I'm looking at this game like you know there's something wrong with the Bombers um at least at this point in the season yeah the Listen, losing Jeffcoat really hurts, especially in a game where they weren't doing a particularly great job of getting to Dane Evans, you know, when he was in the game before. And um, and then afterwards, I will say this, credit to the Bombers, though. I mean, that second half, they were making, I'm sure, some people nervous in Tim Horton's field. Uh, they got it to within 10 points in the fourth quarter. Um, but then, I mean, and this was the defining drive that might be a huge turning point for Hamilton in their season a seven-plus-minute drive for a touchdown in the fourth quarter to bleed the clock, to reestablish the lead, and and that was pretty much it. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, and it, I mean again, you look at look at elements of the game. Uh, Zach Floros threw a season-high 342 yards, I think it was. The Bombers put up more offense than, than the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They, you know, there's two things you need to focus on here, right, when you're, when, when you're trying to win games. It's the turnover battle. And so those two interceptions and uh, obviously the, the, the sack fumble that led to, to a touchdown, I mean, that's a 14-point swing there. Uh, the Bombers have been finishing off drives more often than not on offense. And when you settle for, you know, four field goals, when you get within the team, you know, the Hamilton's 30-yard line and you settle for three points instead of seven, those things add up. And so I think it really is a reminder that the margin for error uh, is slim week to week. Doesn't matter who you're playing. Now, I mean, the Bombers have done an incredible job of focusing week to week. We all know the one and zero each week. I think someone threw out there one and zero each play uh, post game. So I don't think we, we, haven't, we haven't quite jumped into into that category. But you know, I think I think you have to ask the question about you know, look, there's two losses for this team this season, which twelve and two record is is great. But both of those losses have come on the eve of bye weeks. And so how many guys were thinking, you know, thinking about where they were headed after the game, you know, thinking about what, what the next plan is. I mean, you already have to plan your trip, right? And, and maybe that's not the case, but it, but it is an interesting coincidence. And, you know, I'm talking to Adam Bighill afterwards. You know, he was thinking, he was wondering the same thing. I mean, he wasn't suggesting that was the case, but that certainly is the common theme here. And you can also even look a bit deeper the Bombers, I mean, they're 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 at the top of a very very competitive West Division, but they haven't really been rolling over the East this season. I mean, if you look at the back to back games against Ottawa earlier in the season, those were close. If you look at uh, the, the Toronto game, uh, they you know, Boris Beattie doesn't miss that extra convert. Who knows what happens with that game? That one's going to overtime. That one's in jeopardy. So there's not a lot of beating up on the East a lot. So, but at the same time, I think this is a good reminder for them. I. I do think if there was any cause for concern, it's that you want to get rolling right now. You want to be playing your best football um, and to have this kind of, you know, blemish, I will call it uh, on your record. is isn't a great thing, but what I'm, I, I guess I'm not 
thinking anyone should reach for the panic button here, um, at least not yet, because I think what's important after these losses to take all the lessons you took from them, take all the reminders that you're not, you know, unbeatable, and then see what your response is. I mean, when the Bombers lost to Montreal, went on a week-long break, I think it forced them to, to – I don't want to say, you know, look inside or whatever, but focus on what they needed to do with their bodies, that this wasn't a big, long vacation. So maybe that's the same thing here. And, you know, I'll remind I'll remind viewers that when the Bombers did lose, they came back, beat Calgary, and then beat Saskatchewan in back-to-back games. So, you know, as, as, as disappointing as I'm sure it is and as, as surprising as I'm sure it was uh, for many, uh, for me, I think the focus is on the response. And if they can come back and, you know, respond against a, you know, in a big game against the the Rough Riders next week. You know, as I mentioned in my my piece today, my five takeaways. I don't think we're going to be talking about this game much. Hey, uh, just quickly, yeah, uh, before we move on from the CFL to the Jets, huge win for BC on Saturday night. I mean, you Absolutely. get Vernon Adams in there. I mean, this was in a lot of ways the game that I think was going to determine, you know, whether we would be talking about a real tight race for second because I still think Calgary based on the fact of the way Jake Mayer's playing overall might have the inside track. But I mean, now they've lost twice to BC. They've lost three times to Winnipeg and BC has, you know, a two game cushion in the loss department. Um, I was thinking that it was really looking like Calgary was going to be the team that would come here, assuming that the bombers are able to finish the job and clinch first. I'm not so sure about that after the game on Saturday night. Uh, a massive win for BC with Vernon Adams at, at, at QB. Well, absolutely. And I think that if you're looking at the West standings, I, I think what you're looking at right now is where it's going to finish. I mean, Calgary was, if you look at Calgary, if you look at the remaining games for Calgary and another big game against BC coming up here, which is going to be fascinating with what happened uh, afterwards after that game yeah. with the, with the, with the, you know, was it a sucker punch or wasn't it a sucker punch? I've seen the video. I call it a sucker punch, but um, was it on the field or was it after? Was it uh, somewhere it was afterwards? On the, it was on the field. It was on the field. It was. It was. It was while it was the game was over. Lucky, the video that I saw, Lucky was kind of had his hands in the air and the, the stamps were going by them. It was over, right? I mean, I you can't hear words exchange or whatever, but you can certainly see. Let's just say there were two hits. There was Cam Judge hitting Lucky and Lucky hitting the turf. So, um, yeah, crazy. But uh, just to go back to, to Calgary, I think, you know, this was a big stretch for them. If they if they win these two games and everybody thought, not that everyone thought that it was going to be a free bingo, free space on the bingo card with Nathan Workout, but they didn't think that they were going to be, you know, as, as, as tough a beat as uh, I imagine Calgary – came to realize because the other thing has to this was at McMahon Stadium so this was on this was on home turf so you know I to me it's it's uh I think it just settled you know it settled Calgary in third place which will be a crucial game for the West semifinal I mean the BC Lions good for them to pick up Vernon Adams I think you know if you caught my Twitter I was all over them finding trying to find a new quarterback even before Michael O'Connor taking a single snap and you could just see it in some of the BC Lions receivers actions i mean brian burnham when he caught a ball during the game it was like you know we we're back kind of thing you know you can see the frustration under antonio pipkin um being unable to to lead this team and so you know it really did come down to whether or not va could, could get it done and, and that's a good start that's a good start against a very good calgary team and um that race to the west i mean i don't who knows what the bc lions are capable of doing down the stretch here but all of a sudden now, it, it might not feel that way by the time it comes around, but all of a sudden, those two games against BC at the end of the season, 
you know, depending on where the Bombers go here, I, you know, could be, could be interesting. I'm guessing they won't be interesting, but beating Calgary the way they did on, you know, on the road, you know, definitely leaves a little bit more of a what if situation heading down the, this final stretch here. No doubt about it. We had to touch on the Bombers coming out of the weekend. Uh, it'll be quieter for the Blue and Gold as they're on the bye week next week. We'll get back at it as they, will they next week getting ready to host the Saskatchewan Rough Riders again with that third game between these two teams. But let's pivot over to uh, to the home squad on the uh, on the ice. Pretty wild day on Friday, to be honest, Jeff. I mean, I got the the message, uh, you know, in the morning that this was happening and Rick Bonus and Blake Wheeler was going to speak. We both headed down there. I kind of wanted to be in the room to, you know, sort of feel, um, you know, everything around that moment because I do think it's a pretty significant moment for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I know you've seen it. Um, we've talked about it off air, but, you know, your, uh, your reaction when you saw the announcement made publicly and then what were your takeaways from hearing both Bonus and Wheeler speak on Friday? Yeah, I think I had, uh, you know what, it's interesting because I think there's a narrative coming out here that, you know, it's not surprising. And so I think in a lot of ways, it's not surprising because of what we saw last season, of what we've heard for the last, you know, couple, if not few seasons about some of the, you know, the cohesiveness within the within the locker room. And so in, in that way, you know, to shuffle the deck also, I mean, Blake Wheeler's got two more years left. So if you're looking to, you know, your guy, it doesn't look like you're going to extend him. So if you're not going to make it now with a new head coach, all the things set up so so that it that it probably should have happened, right? And that's that's where it doesn't become surprising. Where it is a bit surprising, and why it did feel like a bit of a bombshell when it happened was that, you know, we were so close to camp, right? We were so close to we were so close to you know training camp starting next week. So you didn't think it was going to be made now. There were you know there were you know all the trade rumors and all you know both sides were working together and yada yada. You could add that to probably the not surprising side. But you're just surprised that the Jets are going to do the obvious thing. And in this case, that was surprising to me. I thought because everybody was coming back, because, you know, they didn't do anything besides get a new coach and hire a new, you know, reporter, that this was just going to be run back the exact same way and it was going to be viewed as an anomaly. So I was a bit surprised to hear the news. Now, as far as, you know, the conversations went, I mean, very two very different, not very different in the sense of like, you know, opposites, uh, you know, press press conferences. But I thought, you know, you look at Rick Bonus and what he's trying to do is he's trying to he's trying to figure out what's going on in that room. Now, there's you know, like he's not like they're not all there right now. So a lot of the work that he's done has been talking to individual players, getting a getting a grasp on what didn't work, what what needs to be done. What you know, I, I, I imagine he went into all those conversations and was like, what do you want? What is it that you're, you know, what are you yearning for? Because the last thing you need is a bunch of guys coming back, coming to, into Winnipeg and being reminded of the grievances they had when they left. So I think, you know, I think in, in a way, you know, Rick Bones was trying to clear the air. And I don't know how, you know, whether you want to call Blake being stripped of the sea, losing the sea, you know, changing the culture, all those things. Obviously, what he determined in his conversations was that there needs to be more of an opportunity for others to speak 
and more of an opportunity for people to feel like they're part of it. And, and you know, it's clear under, you know, particularly in the last couple of seasons, that hasn't been the case. There's been a clear divide. And I don't mean like division of like, I don't like this guy. He doesn't like me, but a clear divide in who can, who's the voice, who's the pulse of the locker room. And if you're going to, if you're going to move into a new era, you can't bring back the old one. So, you know, I thought Rick Bonus handled his press conference well. I thought he addressed a lot of the questions for the most part. You know, honestly, I mean, he, you know, he gave her the old we'll see as far as who's going to get the A's and whatever. Right. I think he knows exactly who he has in mind. Um, and but but what we'll see, you know, he's going to take all training camp and the exhibition games to to determine, you know, who he wants to hand the, you know, the reins to. And I, I think it's a good idea not to have a captain on this team. Um, and to have a bunch of people who are of equal playing level, because I think, you know, the divide there between Blake Wheeler and the leadership group was he was the captain, he ran the show, um, and now we don't get that. Now with Blake, you know, I, I mean, I think this is a tough situation for him. You know, I think this is a tough pill to swallow. This is a guy who's very, you know, as he mentioned in his in his, uh, in his his press conference, I mean, he takes this job extremely seriously, which there's no doubt that he does. I mean, you know, he said be beyond being a father and a uh, and a husband. This was the most responsibility. Um, you know that he that the, this is the greatest responsibility he felt he had in his life. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Blake Wheeler wanted the Winnipeg Jets to succeed under his leadership. The reality was is that they got kind of close but didn't, and they needed to change that direction. So, you know, when I listen to Blake's comments, you can clear. You know, it's pretty clear there's a little bit of you know a bruised ego there. Like he doesn't, you know, you don't want the guy to like it. No one's gonna like it. Um, you know, he did mention that he was, you know, going to continue to to be a leader in that room, which, you know, which is certainly, you know, I don't, you know, I think he was going to, you know, as he mentioned, shift into, you know, back into the shadows and not talk. I, you know, I don't think you can do that when you're with this organization from day one. Um, but I also thought there was, you know, I think, I think what the biggest issue with this team was and what I, my biggest takeaway with Rick Bonus's comments and then, and then Blake Wheeler's, you know, ensuing comments was Rick said, you know, I want guys coming to the to to the to the look. We're in the NHL. This is the NHL. You should not have a you know you should not have a bad day when you're when you're when you're a national you know, when you're a player in the National Hockey League. And I think that had been lost. The fun had been lost really since Dustin Bufflin decided to leave. And there wasn't enough of that being injected into the room. It became too much about business. It became too much about watching film and doing all the extra work outside of the you know, outside of the confines of, of uh, Canada Life Centre. And I think a weight on some guys that just aren't as, you know, 24-7 hockey. And I think that was the, you know, the top-down leadership. And where I think things are lost and all that with the leadership group where the Jets had was perspective. I mean, you want guys that, are, that don't like losing. Absolutely. You don't want guys that are content with losing. Of course you don't want that. But what you do want is you want an environment that people can, you know, be themselves, that, that they can show up and not be, not feel like they're, you know, working with a bunch of drill sergeants, not, you know, have that, have that autonomy. If you, and as easy as that sounds like something to fix, it's not. These guys aren't built like the average person. These are people who have been on, the, on a pedestal since they were seven, eight, nine years old, and they don't walk into dressing rooms and demand things. And the guys that do walk into dressing rooms and try to be like whatever, a la Brendan Lemieux and all these other people with bigger personalities, they're not really welcomed. And so I think what Rick Bonus mm-hmm. is trying to figure out here is the culture and trying to fix that. And I think he knows first and foremost that rather than, 
trying to do things over. He's going to have a clean slate. He's going to have people show up for camp this year, take a deep breath, remember why they love the game, and then have the pieces fall into place when they will. And I think that is the beauty of having Rick Bonus in the room, and I think that's the beauty of having a coach who can communicate and who can get the message towards <laughs> players because that wasn't being done for you. I um, I'm interested with the timing of this, as well as something that Wheeler said that, it was essentially his first conversation with Rick Bonus, where he was told that they're going in a different direction with the captaincy. And um, it got me thinking how much of this is Rick Bonus, and he's obviously on side with making this move, but how much of this was really almost in the cards before Rick Bonus was even hired based on what Kevin Sheveldayoff and the organization heard in the exit meetings at the end of last season. Well, that would be curious to know, Huss. I mean, that that's an interesting one. Do you, like, are, are you suggesting, like, what would have happened if Barry Trotz took over the reins? Would he have done something similar? I imagine so. I mean, Yeah, I yeah what, like, I mean, I think that this was, the writing was on the wall at the end of last season with the way things happened. And, um, like, well, hey, this is Rick Bonus's decision. I know this is the way that it's been put forth and we're going to go what? But I, I think it it would be naive not to think that, Kevin Sheveldayoff in particular and everyone that was part of the end of season meetings um, thought that this might be the best course of action for the Jets. And I think that's part of the reason why we started hearing that Blake Wheeler was on the trade block for most of the summer. Well, I think that's, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, I think there was, I think that if you were, if you're looking to, like, if you look at what they've done, right, and where they've gone, they've regressed, right? They've regressed since that run in 2018. So what 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 to do now right what, what to do like how, how do you push forward do you continue i mean i don't want to throw out that but i will like you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting you know new results and i think this is you know i always liken this team to toronto as you know in a certain way where you had this influx of you had this influx of youth where it was like that you knew right you knew this was the future of your team you knew that. I mean, as, as as critical and as important as Blake Wheeler has been to this organization, he would have known that the you know the next group of of kids, if you will, like that that was going to be the future of this team. And so, you know what 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 Toronto did, um, and I know you can look at Toronto's lack of success in the playoffs and whatever you know as 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 a counter. I I wouldn't, but I look at it more as a culture thing. Is that they gave the keys to the younger guys, the leadership to the younger guys. And then they, they kind of sprinkled some veteran presence around there to hold them accountable, whether that was a Joe Thornton, whether that, you know, all these guys, that kind of, all these guys in and around the group that had, you know, were a little bit older and that could, you know, bring some perspective to the group. And I, now I think that's how that's the very important role that Blake's going to be able to offer this time. You know, I, I think, you know, he admitted that he felt it was a burden, right? You could tell it was a burden. I mean, it was obvious that it was a burden. Um, you know, by by the end of last season. So maybe he can take a deep breath. Maybe he can play, you know, a leadership role for sure. But maybe he can be that veteran who's been there, who can enjoy himself and have some other guys take over some of the more stricter accountability for the rest of the team, right? Because it's not, the NHL is not like, it's not the raw, raw guys that wear the letters necessarily. It's the guys that lead by example. It's the guys who have the connections with, with the players. They can, you know, bridge the gap between the older guys and the younger guys. And that's why guys like Adam Lowry are, are constantly getting tossed out as, 
as you know, people who should be wearing a letter because I think he brings that. And so, you know, we've, I've, I've heard on others, on other interviews and, and whatnot about, you know, maybe this is good for Blake's game. You know, maybe this is good for, you know, his opportunity. I tend to fall into that group. I don't think that's the reason why they took the C off him was to, so he could get better on the ice um, necessarily. But I think that's his opportunity here is to not have mm. to overthink it as much, not have to deal with all those things and focus on his game while other, you know, some other players, some younger guys who are going to be here, you know, for years and years to come, take on a little bit more of the heavy lifting. Well, it, it's a great point, Jeff. And I mean, it's something that we talked about, you know, hypothetically having these conversations about the leadership group and how it might look under Rick Monas into this season, as well as on Friday, knowing that this decision had been made and hearing from both the coach and the former captain. And like, I'm not sure we can assume any way that this is going to go. Um, but I'll say this. I think that as much as there was some humble pie, and I think it was a, a a little bit of a reality check for a guy that's been the guy and the culture carrier for this team for a long time. If Blake accept this, accepts this, comes to peace with it, and you know can maybe see some of the benefits that might be for him personally as well as the team, um, I really think this could be something that'll be good for Blake Wheeler. And at the same time, we know why the decision's made. They're doing it for the best interests of the team. Um, you know, how he handles it, um, his attitude about what has happened, about this new head coach, I mean, to me, is going to maybe be one of the most important things that happens this year. Because as much as some people sort of want to maybe say that, oh, his time has passed, it, it hasn't right now on this team. They need him. They need him to be the best version of himself. And I'll tell you what, maybe a Blake Wheeler that's around guys that are having a little bit more fun, that it's not on him to crack the whip and be that guy that sets the tone. I wouldn't be surprised if actually, you know, he comes to a point where he enjoys himself a little bit more. And I'll tell you what, I think that will go a long, long way for a team that we've talked about many times, just didn't look like they were having very much fun. And, doesn't matter what your job is. And Rick Bonus talked about this. He wants guys to be excited to come to the rink. And I'm not sure that was the case for a good part of last season, especially towards the end. Well, I agree with you. And I think, you know, I think you can make the argument that this is the greatest test of leadership that Blake Wheeler has faced in Winnipeg. It's a great point. You know, because, you know, it's great. You know, he mentioned in his in his press conference that, that look, like, at one point in my career, I needed the validation, okay? I heard Blake Wheeler come out last year and say that it was like almost, pat, not almost, pat himself on the back for coming out and speaking as the captain after weeks of silence. So has he changed? Does he need, you know, does he not need the validation? Like, how is he going to deal with this? This is not an easy thing. And it, I do agree with you because the last thing you need is a pissed off Blake Wheeler in that room without wearing a leg. And so... I don't think he's, you know, I don't think, look, I think Blake is an ultimate pro. Uh, you know, he cares and eats and breathes this game. He cares about the Winnipeg Jets. He cares about their success. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for sure in that regard. But it will be critical to this team's success that whether Blake's wearing an A or C, which he said he doesn't need to wear an A or C. If it, You know, whether he is or not is, is irrelevant. But what is important is that he, you know, that he takes this the right way and then, and then prove you know not proves to anybody, but his teammates that you know that that you know he might not be wearing the letter, but he can be part of pulling in the same direction and support and be the leader to help others 
come and do what, what role he had for the last six seasons. You know what? I, I, I love what you just said, because that I, I think is it in a nutshell. Um, they're much like the team. I think we've thought has sort of been heading at somewhat of a crossroads. And this is, you know, one of the decisions that I think makes some change, albeit not really from a personnel side. I mean, the way you frame that with this is the greatest both challenge, but also opportunity to show leadership. And I really do think that if he handles this in the best possible way, uh, I think it can be somewhat liberating for him. I think it will be huge for the team. And I really do think that the respect that he's obviously earned with the way that he's played for 11 years in Winnipeg, which certainly is there on, on a player side, I think that respect um, will go a long way within the room for some of the guys that are going to be taking over some of that mantle, part of this new leadership group going forward and really making him still a very important and integral part of this team. Because I think that it's almost the way that it has to be. The other option, if it, it isn't handled well, or this is something that hangs around him, maybe not as many of the other players on the team, is that you could end up with a player that has meant so much to this franchise on a bit of an island. And I'm certain that that is not what Rick Bonus wants to happen. I don't think anyone in that room would like it to happen. But if it did, I think then it becomes somewhat awkward. Um, but that's part of the reason why I think they got ahead of this, gave Blake some time to process it, and we'll have this as a story that will certainly people will be paying attention to, but well in the rearview mirror, hopefully by the time they drop the puck. Yeah, like I, I don't even have much to add to that, Huss. I mean, I think it really is an opportunity. And I mean, I don't want to say like it or not, but Blake's legacy in Winnipeg is still growing. This is the newest chapter of his legacy here, and he will go down. You know, at least in his recent recent future recent uh, history here, as as one of the best, if not the best, Jets 2.0 players, the most influential players, and I think for him, with a couple more years left on his on his contract, if if indeed he stays here in Winnipeg and something isn't done between now and the end of his contract, I mean, these will be critical years, right? I mean, in professional sports, of course, he'll be remembered for all the seasons you know he put up points and whatnot, but he will be remembered for these last couple of years. And, you know, I, I think for him, it's important to, you know, again, I don't want to make it bigger than it is, but important to be the teammate he knows he is, to be the player he knows he can be, and to help, again, this this younger core of, of leaders to come in, take what they've learned from Blake over the last few years, and help them support, help them navigate. Make sure that you are doing everything you can behind the scenes without anybody noticing to let, you know, to, to, so that when whoever does get the letters is able to do the job, is able to run the team like he was, you know, in ways. And, and, and that will be ultimately, I think, his lasting legacy here. For all the good things he did, he will be known as the guy, depending on what he chooses, uh, how, how to usher in the new era. And he plays a big role in that, regardless of whether he's got a letter on his chest. No, absolutely. Hey, quickly before we go, um, because we've got Hacksaw lining up to uh, break down the week in the National Football League and get ready for this right doubleheader tonight. Um, we heard from Mark Shifley and uh, those clips with Elliot and Jeff uh, coming into this segment. Where does all this leave Mark Shifley? Um, because, you know, he had already sort of started the process of, I think, trying to, you know, show that he's engaged and he's in. I mean, I've heard all the right things from Mark, but for a long time, it was always thought of, you know, certainly under Paul Maurice, it was... Wheeler, Shifley, Shifley and Wheeler. It didn't seem that was maybe the case at the end of the season. 
And um, just your thoughts on, you know, Scheif, who was certainly part of just as much conversation, if not more, than Wheeler was last year when it came to leadership, if you will, although Blake obviously was the captain. Yeah, so Mark's an interesting guy because he's not – because he still is a big piece of this team, like like Blake Wheeler is, but he's younger. You know, they're with with what's happening with Pierre Luc Dubois, whether or not he's going to resign. I think there's a reevaluation on maybe you know potentially trying to convince Mark to stay even longer. You know, I think it's a bit of a. I don't think you needed to strip all the letters, but I don't think it would have been surprising if you stripped Mark Shifley from a letter. I mean, you want your captain to be leading by example. You want your captain to be you know, a team first guy and whether it's what we saw on the ice for much of last season, particularly down the stretch under, under Dave Lowry or what we heard from him in his postseason comments, that doesn't say like captain at all. So, you know, I, but that being said, I think, I think you've got to understand who Mark is. I mean, I was able to do a, a, an in-depth feature on Mark years ago. I know how, I mean, he's a self-admitted horrible loser and the Jets did a lot of losing last year, and and so you know it weighed on him. And, you know, he couldn't help but say certain things and want to get his future. But when it was a lot of me, me, me stuff, and then it was, you know, not acknowledging that and kind of saying it, you know, kind of throwing it on the, on the, uh, on the media for blowing it up. I mean, I don't know that anyone blew it up. I just think they saw a guy who had two years remaining on his contract saying about how much he needed to figure out before he was willing to commit to a commitment he had already made. So, to you know, I, I mean, I think this is a big season for Mark. I think there's a big opportunity for him to, you know, he says he had a great off season. He said he got away and he enjoyed, uh, you know, his summer. And, and, you know, I think we need to give him, you know, a bit of the benefit of the doubt here after last season because that's what the Jets need is a big season out of Mark Scheifele. They don't need, you know, they need a guy who's, who's dialed in, a guy who cares. We know he, how committed he is to hockey. I think the question is how committed he is to the team. And so, you know, particularly when it comes to the captaincy stuff, I, I definitely think Mark Shifley is going to get an A because I don't think you, can, you can't strip Mark Shifley of an A. He said on, you know, 32 Thoughts he wants to be a leader on this team. So if you took his A away from him this year, and I don't think that would have been unwarranted, but if you had, you can pretty much kiss, you know, kiss him goodbye after two years because he ain't coming back. So I think this is a big season for Mark. It's a big season for him and his future. You know, he needs to put up. You know, I think he would have been motivated either way. I mean, he's he's working for a new contract, too, that can, you know, start, I guess, as early as next mm-hmm. season. Um, but I think this is an opportunity for him to take a deep breath like the rest of the team, you know, and, and really, really just try to. Put, get things back on track and they're going to, and like they need Blake Wheeler to do that. They, they need Mark Shifley to do that. And so, you know, as much as, as much as, you know, I think he, you know, the comments have been a little bit, a little bit, you know, maybe less accountable than I think they should have been, but that's just my opinion. Um, I do think he is a committed guy. I think he's committed to his teammates and I think this is going to be a big season for him with a lot of opportunity. And clearly, as you mentioned off the top, um, you know, he's a fan of Rick bonus I don't know what went south with him and Paul Maurice, but that's not the first time that he's mentioned on an interview that he hasn't communicated with Paul Maurice. I mean, those are those are those aren't even subtle. Those are those are comments for a guy like Paul Maurice who could, you know, talk his way into quitting a team and then taking over, you know, the best team in regular team in the in the, you know, if he can't convince Mark Shifley. You know, obviously that that relationship wasn't as great as as maybe it was perceived um, as they attached Mark and Blake together as kind of you know Paul's Paul's two, yeah. two guys. 
Yeah, I mean, it, that was certainly there has been some eye openers from uh, from Shifley in that respect as to the uh, the relationship with Paul Maurice. Well, it's Rick Bonus's job right now. It'll be very interesting to see what happens and what we hear from everyone when training camp officially gets going later on this week. Hammer, always great having you on the program. This was awesome. Congrats again on the uh, important work you're doing in the Winnipeg Free Press. I suggest everyone read that story from Saturday, the Kelsey McKay playbook, and uh, let's do this again soon. We'll see you at the rink. Appreciate it, Hoss, and uh, appreciate the commenters. I'm sure those. Uh, I'm sure it's a mixed mixed group in there, but uh, you know what? It is what it is. I'm looking forward to this hockey season, and uh, let's get her going this week. Right on. Thanks, pal. There it is at Jeff K Hamilton on Twitter, and make sure you're reading all of his great work over in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. All right, we are gonna talk some NFL with Hacksaw. Before we do that, a big thanks to our friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, the spot to be before every Bomber home game. Bombers off this week, but back at home next week against the Riders. Make sure to take in all the fun of the Princess Auto tailgate party two hours before every game. Of course, Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Um, our great friends at Culligan have been the water experts and leaders in the field for over 65 years in business. They've got everything you, your family, and your business needs including water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see them, 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180, and online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, a big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club as well. Speaking of bomber games, you'll be able to get the great taste of the new ready-to-drink CC and ginger throughout the stadium, along with all the great Canadian Club products, as Canadian Club is the official sponsor of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But if you can't wait till the game, pop by your local beer store. The ready-to-drink CC and gingers are good to go in six packs. And, of course, you can also pick out all of the great CC products and Beam Suntory family products at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And um, hey, it's Monday Night Football. We're going to get to it with Hacksaw coming up right away. Uh, looking for a great spot for the game tonight? May I suggest your local Boston pizza? Uh, pizza flights are in effect right now. Ice cold bud draft on special for five bucks every game. Great prizes, including. Your chance to enter to win one of two grand prize trips for two to an NFL weekend in Vegas, including airfare, hotel, NFL game tickets, and a bonus NHL game. First trips November 11th to the 13th for the Raiders Colts and Golden Knights Blues. And the second trip is New Year's Eve weekend. Raiders Niners and Vegas hosting the Nashville Predators. Watch the NFL and win at any Winnipeg, Selkirk, Steinbach, Morton, and Portage, Boston pizza location. All right, let's get the hacksaw in here. We had such a crazy day with the Wheeler news today that we weren't able to hit the notebook, but uh, whew, we've got a lot to get to coming out of a wild week too in the National Football League. Hacksaw, how do you uh, how do you enjoy the time on the couch yesterday? Some wild comebacks yesterday in the NFL. Hey, Andrew Hustler, good to talk to you. Uh, the NFL is upside down. Boy, have we seen some unbelievable games, finishes, upsets, blown leads, and messy situations. 
in weeks one and weeks two of the NFL. Uh, you know, we got teams that are hot. Uh, Miami is for real. I think you asked me a couple of weeks ago about who's who's on the firing line, who has to prove themselves, and we I think we both kind of thought the Tua Tagovailoa, Dolphins quarterback, this was the year he had to step away from what he was. He was a game manager. Could he be a game winner? Yeah, he answered that yesterday. 36 for 50, 463, six touchdown passes, and on top of all that, four TDs in a 12-minute window. And I always thought that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell were just going to be ideal complements to each other. And those two guys, they kind of got CFL numbers. They combined for 22 catches <laughs> for 360-plus yards and four touchdowns in that Miami win. So the Dolphins are for real. That quarterback has grown. That quarterback has kind of stepped out of his body of what he used to be. That that was pretty impressive. Hey, Lee, just uh, on that, before you continue on, I mean, what what's John Harbaugh saying to uh, his team after that? I mean, that was an absolute collapse from a team that, frankly, you just don't think could possibly lay an egg like that after getting such a huge lead. Well, I think there's a combination of things going on. Baltimore's had a lot of in. I think they got they've really got a battered secondary, uh, and they've it's still Lamar Jackson's show, but not everybody has kind of come around uh, in terms of the skill people complementing Ravens quarterbacks. So I, I think there's issues. It's not a complete football team. You know, Devin DuVernay, that wide receiver kick returner, he had a 103-yard return. The week before, he caught a bunch of big passes, including a game-winning touchdown. He goes out and he gets hurt after he has the 103 kick return for the Ravens and that, that Dolphins game. So I just think, you know, there's a 17-game schedule. Harbaugh's going to get these hurt guys back. They're probably going to get better. But, you know, you look at the depth chart, and you can check off how many guys are out of the lineup or playing at less than 100% and trying to hang in there. He's just got a lot of people banged up. Now, aside from Tua, you know, week two, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and it was interesting because the Chargers coach, Brandon Staley, made a comment on our conference call last week going into the Thursday night Charger-Kansas City game that he's never seen a quarterback who can take a broken play and create another play out of the broken play that you can't defend than Patrick Mahomes. He got flushed from the pocket twice, was about to get sacked, stepped away from the sack, rolled out, shot put it a nine-yard touchdown pass to his running back, did it again. Rolled, ducked, stood up, heaved it 41 yards, touchdown pass to his other tight end. He just creates. Uh, and he does things that put your defense just in a terrible, terrible box. Kyler Murray had an unbelievable second half. I don't know where he was in the first half in that Arizona come from behind victory that killed the Raiders. Uh, but, you know, Murray to me is he's psycho. He can be really good, as we saw in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, and into overtime, and then he can really be bad, as we saw in the first and second quarter. And I don't know that Cliff Kingsbury, the coach in Arizona, knows what he's really got in terms of offensive skill people, or is it all dumped at the front door of Kyler Murray? So those are some of the guys that did well. Uh, you look at the standings this morning, the Winnipeg Free Press, talking about those guys there. New York Giants in first place in the NFC East. Really? 2-0. 2-0. Two and all, you gotta be kidding me, because uh, there are 15 more games to play. And that's that's really hard to believe. Uh, Philadelphia plays the Vikings tonight. Philadelphia's really come together. You know, getting Devontae Smith two years ago, the Heisman Trophy winner, then trading for AJ Brown, 
Uh, they got a mix and match group of running backs, and Jalen Hurts just makes things happen on the field. And by the way, on the defensive side of the ball, where you always had to account for Fletcher Cox, that big mammoth defensive tackle, now you got to account for his running mate, Jordan Davis, who takes up even more space at defensive tackle. So Philadelphia is really good. And of course, Buffalo plays Tennessee tonight. And we'll see if, if, if there's an ambush in, in place here or whether Buffalo is going to push this thing out to 3 and 0. So, you know, those, those are the teams that are doing really, really well. I mean, and think about this. Who could have thought the Raiders would blow a 20-point lead in Arizona? Who would have thought Baltimore would have forfeited a 21-point lead in about a 12-minute window? And then there's the Jets. Yes, the other team let's in get New to York. the Jets here. This was absolutely, and of course, it was Cleveland that ended up being the team to throw up all over themselves at the end of the game. How about Joe Flacco? They're down 13 with a minute 55 to go. He heaves a 66-yard touchdown pass on a broken play. They get the ball back on a three and out from Cleveland. He goes down the field and throws another touchdown pass. Two TDs in a 65-second span. At the end of the game, the Jets, who don't have a hell of a lot of talent, beat the Browns, who used to have a lot of talent. Oh, I wonder how they feel in Cleveland or if they're still drinking in Cleveland for different reasons. But devastating, devastating loss. And Carolina, speaking of Cleveland, Carolina, really tough. I mean, they're 0-2, and Baker Mayfield's doing everything he can. But you and I talked about this in our preview a couple of weeks ago. Outside of Baker Mayfield, Christian McCaffrey, and maybe the receiver DJ Moore, anybody at Carolina have anybody anybody recognizes? Just not enough players there. So a tough, tough situation for those guys. Pittsburgh's yeah. got quarterback problems. They're going to have to make a decision what they're going to do. Because I, I just don't think they have much offense, and I think they got even less at quarterback with Trubisky. He didn't look any better to me here than he looked in, in Buffalo, and that's three years removed. And I know there's a huge emotional push uh, to go with the number one draft pick, Kenny Pickett, or maybe they go to Mason Rudolph first before they go to Pickett. But Pittsburgh's got to do something because that offense is anemic. Well, one team that I don't think anyone could have expected that would start 0-2, and one team that's going to get their all-pro quarterback killed if they don't do a better job of protecting him is the Cincinnati Bengals. We talked about the Super Bowl hangover for the Rams after they've got steamrolled by the Bills in week one. Lee, this is two losses as touchdown favorites so far against Pittsburgh and Dallas without Dak Prescott. Was this just a fluke last year that the Bengals did what they did and this is the team? Or can they get this thing turned around? It's all going to start with giving Joe Burrow a little bit more time, though. Get this. They spent $84 million to bring in four offensive linemen and they're playing miserable in front of them. That right tackle, Lowell Collins, the ex-Dallas Cowboy, they ought to give the money back. He's horrible right now. I don't understand this because this guy was a credible offensive lineman. He can't block anybody. And then he's the sieve on the right side of the offensive line. Joe Burrow in two Sundays, 13 sacks, 20 hits. He's going to wind up in the hospital. And it's not that he stands in there and holds the ball way too long. He has no hope at all. He can't get out of the containment, and he's just getting busted because they can't keep people off him. Uh, maybe they need to commit to go back to Joe Mixon and try to do some heavy football, running it some, but that's not a guarantee because I'm not sure those dudes can run block, much less pass block. So, yeah, it's it's really bad. And, you know, we are talking about offensive linemen. A week ago, we were talking about the Rams getting bombed by the Bills. Hmm. Now the Rams have lost another offensive lineman. They've lost both their starting tackles with injuries, plus their center, Brian Allen. 
and they, they forfeited a big lead and luckily hung on to come back to beat Atlanta right at the end yesterday. So Rams are not what the Rams used to be right now. And they, they've got a bunch of issues in front of Matthew Stafford and they can't run the bleeping ball either because of the offensive line. So, like I said, there's a lot of teams that are upside down right now, or as you would say, taking on water. Hey, uh, Lee, how uh, how happy are the Niners that they found a way to restructure Jimmy Garoppolo's contract considering Trey Lance now out for the season with a broken ankle? Well, there's two angles to that storyline. One, uh, I think they, they feared that Trey Lance was going to get a case of the shakes. He was running the football way too much in weekend one and two. He wasn't doing very much statistically. That's an issue. Now he got hurt. He just came out of surgery about an hour and a half ago in the Bay Area, uh, dislocated ankle, season-ending injury. They get Garoppolo back. It is weird. Now they get a starting quarterback. I think his career record is 32-14, and 14. Hustler. They get a starting quarterback for $6.5 million. He's 32-14. and 14. And he's going to play hard because he's got the motivation, whether or not he likes the 49er ownership. He's going to play hard because he's in a contract year and he's got something to prove and he's got to prove he can stay healthy. Uh, but boy, they smashed Seattle. Seattle just looked miserable in that game on Sunday. So, yeah, they, in a sense, I guess they got lucky. It was not planned. It was not a blueprint, but they were not going to release Garoppolo. But they convinced Jimmy to take a pay cut. Now, Jimmy's got a pile of incentives. He could earn as much as $16 million addition if he were to drive this 49er team deep into the playoffs and have pro bowl season and, and all that. So a little bit of stroke of luck there. It was not, not any blueprint, but all of a sudden they got a good starting quarterback for six and a half million. Now Jimmy G's got to keep himself on the field. Yeah. Well, interesting to note that the uh, Vegas number on the Niners to win the Super Bowl actually went down yesterday with Jimmy Garoppolo being the guy that'll be the starter for the rest of the year. Hacksaw, we got a double header tonight. You mentioned that Bills Titans game that'll kick things off, but uh, interested uh, in your thoughts on the late game. A lot of people very high on Philly. Vikings had that great win against the Packers in week one. Can the Minnesota Vikings go on the road and get to two and oh? Philadelphia is a tough, tough place to play with the way this team is built right now and the dynamics of that quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I was surprised that the Vikings beat Green Bay. Nice debut for Kevin O'Connell, the head coach. Uh, they got Cousins. They got Dalvin Cook. They now have three wide receivers that they really like. Uh, I will tell you, Jefferson is just what a stud he is. And he's now he's taking a lot of the workload off the little guy, Adam Thielen. Uh, and is Minnesota's defense for real? I guess we'll find out tonight. I think they're going to be running uphill just because I think the Eagles now have, have every possible component. And you got Buffalo, Tennessee in that early game. Uh, and I'm, I'm just starting to wonder if the era is over in Nashville. Derrick Henry does not look like Derrick Henry pre-foot injury a year ago. And Ryan Tannehill, when he had to carry the load by himself, didn't get the job done. And, you know, this is a Tennessee team that got rid of a pretty good wide receiver in A.J. Brown, who, by the way, is wearing green tonight for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I, uh, Tennessee's season, I'm not going to say it's going to go south because there's so many more games to play, but Tennessee could be in a bit of trouble here if what I said about Tannehill and my perception of where Derrick Henry is, if they're not the same players, and I think Tennessee's got a problem. Lee, thanks so much for doing this today as opposed to our normal Friday visit. Hopefully we can still do that later on this week. But uh, 
Fill people in on uh, what you've got cooking over at LeeHacksawHamilton.com heading into Monday night and, of course, in these important off days before we get going with week three. Well, we're tracking all these injury stories. You know, we talked about the catastrophe. There's the 49er injury, uh, Trey Lance, the Chargers. have got a, a significant injury to Justin Herbert, who took a horrible beating in weekend two. When they What's lost the latest the on him? I heard Staley say that he was day-to-day. He didn't look very day-to-day at the end of that football game on Thursday night. He's got fractured rib cartilage, which is a really painful injury. Uh, and, you know, the, they will put a huge flak jacket on him. He will probably get a, an injection to help him. But when you're as active as he is a quarterback, and part of his game is moving the pocket and running. Well, he's not going to move the pocket and run with a rib injury like this. And cartilage injuries are painful because not only if you take a hit, but you got to breathe and your, your body expands. And uh, I don't buy Brandon Staley's day-to-day stuff. Uh, it looked pretty significant to me. And you don't, all my experiences in the NFL as the voice of the Chargers and Seahawks, you don't come back from rib cartilage injuries in 15 minutes. And I, I don't think you come back even though they're in the middle of a 10-day layoff. So we'll keep an eye on that. But on the website, uh, we cover all things NFL. We do college football. We're two weeks into the college season, Hustler, and they're firing coaches this side of the border. we got two gone in two weeks. We might have a third one by the end of this coming week. Uh, so we got that. We're covering the baseball pennant races, the NBA, my perspective of what's going on in the National Hockey League and LIV golf, et cetera. So if you check it every morning, you'll be really informed. In fact, if you check my website every morning, you could probably do the show and place a hustler if he wants to have a day off. It's leehexawhamilton.com. We also have a podcast that is up. We do podcast every week. We'll post a new podcast at the end of the week. It's really different. I tend to think it's really good, but then again, I always think I'm bleeping brilliant too. It is really good. Bleeping brilliant to say the least. Uh, Lee, thanks so much and I can't wait for our next chat. Have a great night and enjoy this doubleheader this evening in the uh, National Uh, Football League. My pleasure, Andrew. Hope we'll get a chance to do it on beer Friday. Thanks for being Exactly. We'll have an extra six-pack for you ready to go. There it is. The man himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Check out the website, leehacksawhamilton.com. Make sure to check out what he's got cooking on YouTube as well. Hey, I saw DQ Nick in the chat a few minutes ago. Great to see Nick. It's always cool that our sponsors not only supporting us, but pop in and enjoying the show as well. Of course, Nick letting the stomach recover from... An epic run of not one but two burger weeks here in Winnipeg. Uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, you're thinking about a great spread for the game tonight. Uh, I wouldn't mind suggesting pop down to uh, one of the Nick and Nicky DQs, grabbing a few stack burgers and a couple blizzards. Does it get any better than that? Stack burgers are incredible. New buns and more. If you haven't tried them, what are you waiting for? And again, there's nothing that can make that evening game or post-dinner treat better than the world-famous Blizzard. Um, They've got it all, though. uh, Novelties uh, to go as well. And, of course, DQ ice cream cakes. I saw MC Stormy had one on the weekend. Shout out for uh, supporting Nick and Nikki DQ. Uh, And if you want to hit them up and get one custom-made for you, DQ Manitoba on Instagram. Let them know what you want, sizing and whatnot. They'll get it all taken care of for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Um, big cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. They've got a lot coming up this weekend as Little Brown Jug hosts the party. 
for Nuit Blanche. If you haven't been to one of their past Nuit Blanche parties, you're missing out on September 24th. They're closing down the street and hosting a night that is a true celebration of art in our city. The night features the Moths to a Flame art installation, live music formers Rob Gnags and Leosa, dance performances and more. The party goes till 2 a.m. and is free, so don't miss out Saturday twenty fourth, uh, Saturday the 24th, uh, September 24th, I should say, uh, our friends at Little Brown Jug down on William Avenue. And, of course, you can check the great taste of Little Brown Jug at your favorite local beer store or at the brewery or, of course, order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, we'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute, as well as our picks for Assiniboia Downs tonight as uh, they're back at the track, and they've actually added an extra day of live racing next week to finish up the season after a canceled card last week. Uh, let's get Remus back in here, though. Uh, Remo, man, it's been a, a fun show. Mondays are always my favorite because there is so much to get to and obviously keep an eye on what's happening with the Jets out at the Young Stars tournament as well over the last couple hours. Yeah, I see people uh, writing in chat. Chaz Lucius is on the board uh, with a goal. So uh, we talked about him earlier having a... Not as good start as uh, some of the other former first rounders, and there he is uh, getting into the uh, score sheet. That's great. I think that'll be big, just a big confidence booster for him. Because, um, and again, uh, you know, like we talked with Ken last week. I mean, we're, no one's making or breaking their season with what happens at this prospects tournament. But I think a goal, a nice performance in the final game should uh, maybe give him a little bit more confidence coming in after a, a couple tougher outings to begin uh, the the tournament over in Penticton. You want to see this Lucia's goal? Let's and I do see it. it. I've been talking. Everyone Please, in, let's... Yeah, sorry. Everyone in chat, as you were talking, Perfetti just scored too. So the Jets now have a lead. I'm going to get a win at the Prospects Tournament. Those have been uh, few and far in between historically for the Jets out in Penticton. Here's this uh, Lucius goal. And now gets his first game in the Flame sweater and did well to get a, an opportunity here. His bowl and now in front, the Lucius scores. Oh, what a finish. And now gets his first game in the Flame sweater. That was one hell of a finish by Chaz Lucius. Makes absolutely no mistake on the one-timer. Top shelf corner. Um, well, that'll get some fans excited. And then, yes, as uh, we we're seeing, Perfetti now scored as well. He's been playing with Brad Lambert this game. Jets now ahead 3-2. to two. Uh, Rob Mahoney, new real editor, has to talk during every Jets game. Well, I usually like to watch the games and... Um, but uh, kind of a weird with this uh, final game in the tournament. Uh, we're hoping, hopefully we'll get Fink on tomorrow. The Fink voice of the Manitoba Moose has been out in Penticton. Um, looking forward to getting a little boots on the ground report on everything that we've seen. Uh, but listen, before we get to our Cinnaboy Downs picks, let's get to the cool bet lines for today. Uh, new episode of the Lock Shop is out. We uh, hit the Monday Nighter tonight, two games. And let's get to the numbers. The Bills right now, Nine and a half point home favorites against the Tennessee Titans. And uh, my pick of the day today for the lock shop for our daily picks, I'm going over the Bills team total of 29 and a half. Buffalo seems like an absolute scoring machine right now. And I'm not sure that Tennessee has what it takes to slow down the Bills, never mind stop them. So uh, I'm going with the Bills to put up a number today over 28 and a half. And, uh, of course, they've got touchdown scores, all the player props available. 
but the game itself, nine and a half is the line with the Buffalo Bills laying at home. And then the Minnesota Vikings are getting plus 102 on a two and a half point spread. Eagles minus two and a half right now at minus 11. Um, this is the game. I've been looking forward to this game really all week since the game of the week, Chiefs Chargers on Thursday. Although we had some wild, wild tilts last night in the league, Reem. But uh, how are you feeling about the Vikes' chances of getting to 2-0 on the road tonight? A lot of people really high on Philly. Yeah, they look good, but they were playing Detroit, who gives up a lot of points, and you have to wonder um, if uh, Minnesota will be able to do the same. Jalen Hurts looking very strong. The acquisition of A.J. Brown has, uh, I don't know what uh, Tennessee is doing trading this guy away. I guess contract disputes, but uh, he's looking like a number, you know, the number one receiver that they've needed. Um, so I, I like both teams. Going to be a high scoring game. Totals forty nine, but I'm going Minnesota here on the road. I know it feels tough with them outside, and doesn't Kirk Cousins have some very poor record? Not anymore. My, he's not, now he turned into Mister Monday Night last year. He's oh, won his last two, his last two primetime games after being over for the majority of his career. So I'll go Minnesota. I'm with, you. I'm with you. Plus 126 on the money line for the Vikings. Rest of the lines are out in the National Football League. And let's see. Uh, no, still waiting a Canadian Football League nut line. So we'll let you know about those tomorrow on the program. Uh, check out the Lock Shop, folks. New uh, content pretty much daily right now through NFL season. Uh, at Lockshop Bets on Twitter. Give us a follow if you wouldn't mind. And check out the podcast uh, wherever you get it. And obviously clips as well on my social media feed. Uh, but if you want to use the promo code WST at CoolBet, if you haven't played there before, use promo code WST. You get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit playing over at CoolBet. And a little Barry Horowitzing speaking of the Lock Shop. I hope you got our episode on Saturday because throughout four props, Nick Chubb first touchdown plus 400, check. Tyreek Hill plus 125 anytime touchdown, check. Darren Waller plus 125 anytime touchdown, check. And under 40 and a half, Steelers and Patriots. That was a check too as a team. We went six and one in the props for the weekend. I went two and two overall. And now Remo up to 60% for the year on the Canadian Football League. So, Looking forward to all of that. It's all there for you at CoolBet. Now, Remo, we do need to get to Assiniboia Downs picks. It was a few days, and of course, we got refunded on Wednesday because they weren't able to go to post, so now we've got an extra day of live racing. We've got eight races tonight out at ASD with uh, five days of live racing remaining on the calendar. Yeah, I debated if I should if I should be doing an extra portion, but you just told me that uh, they added a lot extra day, so we'll just save our bets. That we got refunded the other day for that extra day. Um, What'd you go with today? Well, I think you can guess who I went with on race one. Race number one? Yeah. Well, let, let me, me just, guess. Let me we are both, here. I assume that we are both in on our guy number five, King Wit to win. King Wit. Interestingly enough, eight to one with the morning line, not even in the top three program selections. We don't care. We're riding with King Wit. I thought King Wit was a winning horse in the past. So, yeah, King Wit, I like those odds. Uh, I am on race six, horse three to win, really slow. 
was actually turned into a big favorite. It wasn't a favorite one. I was on really slow early. Yeah. I was on really slow before he became a favorite. So. You were like the hipster. I used to see them back in these small clubs mm -hmm. when they used to play. Now they're selling out big shows. I was there at the start. I you was. were at the start with really slow as one of the great names so, of all the horses not, at the track this not year. Not paying a lot, but I got to pay my respects to really slow. race. Going back to race two, I like horse six to win. Cuban Cobra. I had the Cuban Cobra, I think, uh, during the canceled race day last week, and I'm back. back. I just love that name. Got a very wrestling. Cuban Cobra is a great name. I'm also uh, making a win bet. I got ready to tap and sing race number or horse number five. Oh, okay, a little bit of a longer shot than the Cuban Cobra, who is the favorite going into uh, that race. And one more, I'm doing a Quinella with Kim's Texas Bling and Mia Bear. So those are my those are my picks there. Nicely done. So we've got my uh, my first five. I got five and one, five and two. In race number three that we just mentioned, I am going with Kim's Texas Bling to win. Uh, and then race number five, we've got a wager on horse number one. That would be Zig. Shout out Zig for Cassie, one of our favorites. And Zig actually did have a nice win, I believe, the last time we yes. had him in. Or two races ago, it won. Last time it was three, but they're back to six furlongs tonight. He won his last race at six. So, Hopefully we can make that happen. And then my final wager for today is in race number seven. We are going with uh, Del Vecchio, number five. The uh, I guess Del Vecchio is a slight favor over Majestic uh, Street. Uh, your old favorite, Trump, um, also in this race, along with a couple others. But uh, there you go, folks. If you haven't already and you'd like to play the ponies and are unable to get out to the track, use hpibet.com, bet along with us, and you can bet not only Assiniboia Downs, but uh, tracks around the world. But the best way to enjoy the live racing of Assiniboia Downs is getting out to the track tonight. Of course, free parking, free admission. And if you'd like to try that world-famous prime rib buffet, make a reservation before the end of the year at 885-3330. Uh, great show to kick off the week, Remo. Great to see everyone here, by the way. If you are new, if you've kind of stumbled upon us, make sure to hit that red subscribe button and follow us and subscribe wherever you get your podcast feed if you're not able to join us on YouTube. Um, but tomorrow, man, we'll uh, kind of wrap the Prospects Tournament and then get ready to drop the puck on training camp. And uh, can't wait for first day of camp. Hear from Rick Bonus. Hear from a number of the players. And, of course, a busy weekend heading into a Fan Fest on, uh, on the 24th. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's here. Hockey season. Training camp. What are they going to do? The VO2 max test. The one where you ride on the bike. Oh, they yeah. do that. Um, Who's in the, how many guys in the best shape of their life? Over, oh. under 24. Oh, man. How many guys are we going to find out? How many guys coming back talking about their weddings over the summer? There's definitely a couple on, on the team. What else? What else are we gonna hear about uh, first well, scrums? I, I just think it's best shape rushes. of your life season. Yeah, well, line rushes. We'll definitely look forward to that. I know Nikolai Ehlers watched every shift he took over and over. I think that was what he said uh, last year or two years ago, and he had a great season, but was uh, stopped short because of injury. So I'm very excited. Hockey's back, and uh, we'll be all over it uh, as it continues. Preseason games starting soon. This is great.
By the way, by the way, uh, now this is, we are not a political show by any stretch of the imagination. However, I do want to give a special WST shout out and good luck to WST original Sean Gitchlishka, who is running for town council, I understand. Really? In Steinbach, absolutely. Put a suit on for the picture. He's got a no. website. I, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Gitchis, he's already Steinbach's second manliest man. Maybe he can be their manliest counselor. So, is there a uh, link? Town, town council out there. Uh, we will definitely do it. I think it's just starting right now. Uh, and Dallas, I guess, is out that way. So anyways, folks, we just wanted to give. I have no idea what the platform is or how town council in Steinbach works, but Sean's a great friend and a great regular at WST and a heck of a funny dude. So we definitely wish him well. And uh, hopefully it all goes well. You'll definitely have our support here at WST. Um, can't wait for this game tonight, Remote. You said uh, you're liking Minnesota. We're going to ride with the Vikes tonight at plus 126. Uh, oh man, on the money line or the, or the it's two and a half points, you know, I mean, at this, at this I, uh, point, let's go plus, I'm going plus sure. 126. I sure. used, I did like for the lock shop, I went plus two and a half. Uh, but man, a little sprinkle on that. Hopefully Gabe Davis will play. If he does, I like him to score a touchdown. And I also like Dalvin cook plus five twenty five five seventy five excuse me for first touchdown in the Minnesota Philly game. They haven't decided Gabe Davis yet. We've been hearing, I was uh, last week where yeah, Matthew Barry says highly unlikely he plays, but now we're kind of like on Gabe Davis watch for us fantasy yeah, exactly, betting players. Exactly. He has, he has not been ruled out, but he's been very questionable going in. I guess it is somewhat of a risky play because he has to play a snap for the bet to count. If he doesn't play a snap, he'll get refunded. Uh, but I don't know, the guy's got a knack for getting in the end zone. Even if they only get him a couple of couple targets, I wouldn't be surprised if one is in. I think the Bills are going to be in the end zone a lot, as indicated by my over 28.5 team total for the Buffalo Bills. Um, so coming up tomorrow, um, I believe we're going to do, is Mike going to be on to tomorrow, Reem? No, Mike is in, um, he's in Minneapolis. So oh, okay. So we're doing a little switcheroonie. Yeah, Brandon is in for tomorrow. Oh, nice, nice. So, well, listen, then, we'll crack that out and hopefully have Dan Fink uh, pop on as well. Maybe do a little bit more football, obviously, with the Bombers off. Maybe I'll lean on Andy Mack. Uh, we'll get the energy of Andy McNamara to maybe pop on the program tomorrow and wrap the week in the National Football League. But uh, majority of the show, especially with the Bombers on the bye week, will be surrounding the Winnipeg Jets. More fallout at takes opinion from our regulars on Blake Wheeler having the C taken away and what this means for the team overall, as well as the captain. I'll look forward to talking about that with Brandon Rowicki and hopefully going to get voice of the Jets, Paul Edmonds as well on the program over the next couple of days. Folks, have a great night tonight. Thanks for being with us. Shout out to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day. We couldn't do it without you. Support them when you have the opportunity. Enjoy these games tonight, and we will see you tomorrow, 1 p.m., live right here on WST. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.